And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed. I'm here with Legal Mindset, my boy Andrew. We got a lot to talk about, man. We're going to talk about the Trump search warrant. The affidavit is finally out. Got a lot to break down. Let's get into it. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what Fed covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation. I'm reaching in his jacket. You don't know. And he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of premeditated murder. Racketeering and Rico conspiracy. Young, young slime life. Here and after referred to as YSL. The defendants is, uh, six nine. And then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, six nine ran. I'm a fed. I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit. But at the same time, I'm pausing. Oh, wait, who this? Right? Oh, who's that in the back? Firearms and violent crime. AKA, Pushaisi violated. In order to stay away from the victim. Trapper Pushaisi arrested after shooting at King of Diamonds, Miami Strip Club, injured one person. This is the one that's going to fuck him up because this gun is not traceable. Well, it happened at the gun range. Here's your boy, 42 Doug, right here on the left. Okay. Sex trafficking and sex crimes. They can effectively link him to paying an underage girl. I'm going to love my fifth amendment. And the first bomb went off right here. Inspired by Al Qaeda, two terrorists, brothers, the Zokar Sarnev and Tamerlan Sarnev, when the cartel shipped drugs into the country. As this guy got arrested for um, espionage, okay, trading secrets with the Russians for monetary compensation, the largest corrupt police bust in New Orleans history. So he was in this bad boy. We're going to go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. And we are back. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fetty Man. I'm here with my boy, Andrew, from Legal Mindset. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> so today, guys, we're going to talk about the affidavit that was used, okay, that had the probable cause that allowed the FBI to go ahead and get a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. So real quick, um, and I got my boy Andrew in the house to break this down with me. Andrew, can you introduce yourself to the people and I'll give the people a little bit of background about myself yeah, as well? Yeah, sure, guys. I'm Andrew Esquire from Legal Mindset. Uh, check out my channel on YouTube if you haven't already. And I'm a 10-year practicing attorney. I've worked with the government. I've worked many times in having freedom of information requests and getting documents that are sensitive, potentially very sensitive documents released to the public. I've worked with people who are both in private industry and the public in releasing uh, sensitive documents. So this is something that, you know, I've seen in a, in a different context, but certainly uh, something I'm definitely interested in to see today and work through all these redactions and things that are held uh, away from the public. Because the presumption is, and I've seen thousands of documents, but the presumption is to disclose. So when there's something that is held back from the public, there has to be a damn good reason. So like I said, practicing attorney, still practicing law, even though I work remotely, I'm here in Seoul, South Korea. It is 7.11 a.m. over here in Seoul, but I'm still excited to be talking about this with you guys. Absolutely, man. And there's no one else I'd rather have by my side to break this down. I want to let you guys know right here, right now, you are not going to get a a more thorough background on this affidavit on the internet period, okay? I've seen a bunch of people break this down. No one has actually went line by line with the affidavit, reading it with you guys and explaining how things really work. As you guys know, quick little background on me, former special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, HSI. I was an agent from 2013 to 2020. I specialized in doing criminal investigations in pretty much every type of crime you could think of from drug trafficking to human smuggling to human trafficking to firearms uh, <clears throat> trafficking. 
Uh, I did Mexican cartel investigations, organized crime. I did money laundering, financial investigations, everything you could think of, man. I've even done uh, some child exploitation as well. So uh, very well-rounded. I've done counter-terrorism uh, cases as well and national security. Um, so with that said, I've written hundreds of search warrants, guys. Search warrants just like the one we're going to analyze today. So I'm going to be able to go ahead and go line by line with it with with it, with you uh, and, and Andrew. And we're going to be able to explain and decode some of the things here in this affidavit because I'm not going to lie to y'all. The affidavit is heavily redacted. And uh, when something is redacted, guys, pretty much it means the government has you know put a black marker on it. So you don't know what they're talking about. They typically do this to conceal um, whether it's confidential informants, uh, investigative methods, um, targets of investigation, um, or just trying to not disclose too much that will give the investigation away to the people that are actually being investigated. Um, I will be honest with you where rarely do you see search warrants get sealed like this and then stay sealed for this period of time. Normally after the search warrant is executed, you know, that search warrant's unsealed. You know, the, the crook, if he wanted to, can go and paste her and find it himself. And it's not too hard to find. But obviously with a case like this, it's going to be uh, fairly difficult. <clears throat> it's going to be fairly difficult to uh, to hold it back, right, for a long period of time because everyone and their mom is requesting this thing. And just so you guys kind of <laughs> get an idea of what I'm talking about here, I'll give you guys real quick. I'll show you the paster screen for this search warrant. Um, and I'll enlarge it real fast so you guys kind of know what's going on here. As you guys can see, this is just a search warrant, right? It has an MJ case number, right, right here, nine twenty-two MJ, and, and you know, and uh, and it has the initials of the magistrate judge that signed off on it and the number. And if you guys look, look at all these people that are interested here: Intervener, yeah. New York Times <laughs> Company, okay, CBS Broadcasting. This is because unprecedented, guys, to see this many people on a docket. This is yeah. crazy. NBC, McClatchy. EW Scripps Company, Palm Beach Post. Like, look at all these people that are interested in the search warrant, guys. So there's an enormous amount of pressure on the the judge to go ahead and get this thing unsealed. They've been unsealing it, you know, little by little. First, they unsealed the first page, then they unsealed the application, then they unsealed um, the affidavit. So it's it, they've been doing it slowly. And as you guys can see, look at all these motions, man, to go ahead and get this thing out there. Uh, the people have been requesting it. Private citizens I saw here have filed motions, guys. It's not just the news companies. It's an enormous amount of pressure on them to get this stuff unsealed so when everyone can see what the hell is going on with the search warrant because, to be honest with you guys, it's unprecedented to have a uh, former president of the United States have a search warrant conducted in his house, a federal search warrant by the FBI. Uh, so should we talk about – should I pull up a, a Fox News article here, I guess, to kind of give the people an idea of what's going on? Or yeah, you sure. Want... You can give me a little bit of background what what uh, you know generally is going on right now. All right, cool. So I'll, I'll go ahead and play this uh, thing for you all real quick. Um, and this all started, guys, back in early August, uh, around August 8th, um, with, the, um, with um, the FBI doing a search on uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence right here in West Palm Beach, Florida, in West Palm Beach County, or Palm Beach County. Uh, I'm going to play a clip from this uh, Fox News. Basically, this is how Trump could be prosecuted, Andy McCarthy. And this is, you know, days after the uh, search warrant was unveiled. So uh, let's go ahead and play a portion of this thing, and then we'll get right into breaking down the search warrant, and uh, we'll get into it. Yeah. Hold on. Let's see here. Sorry, guys. Unmute the site. Uh, the former deputy assistant attorney general, UC Berkeley law professor, uh, clerk for uh, Justice Thomas, I might point out. Andy McCarthy with us as well, the former assistant U.S. attorney. Uh, Andy, if I can begin with you, uh, the, the former president made much to do in, in, in a separate uh, remark from his tr truth social. The affidavit is heavily redacted. Nothing mentioned on nuclear or total public relations subterfuge by the FBI 
in DOJ. Now, we'll show that full comment, but the nuclear thing, I wouldn't imagine that would have been part of this anyway. And this is Donald Trump's tweet right here, guys. You can see the real Donald Trump. Right. Uh, you know, David Neal just talked about uh, SCI. Well, whoever uh, screenshotted this thing liked the post. Shout out to Fox News, baby. Uh, <laughs> right? Whoever, whoever uh, went ahead and screenshotted that shit, made sure to retweet it and like it. Let everybody know. I'm not impartial. <laughs> um, they use terms like SCI because you can't discuss the substance of classified information. That's why it's, it's classified. I, I just, I think that, President Trump is getting poor advice because it seems to me looking at this that the Justice Department does not intend to prosecute him, at least on a classified information or records retention violation. But how would you know that, Andy? uh, You know, you you do searches. Well, he is a former United States attorney, my friend. So (laughs) he's a former (laughs) federal prosecutor, uh, buddy. Stupid. At the end of an investigation... And that's why you never have this issue of, you know, releasing an affidavit in the middle of while while the FBI is trying to gather evidence. The only way it makes sense to me that they're fighting so hard to avoid disclosing the information, because information in these kinds of affidavits typically gets disclosed eventually in a criminal case. The only reason it makes sense to fight over it is if you hope that you'll never have to disclose it, which argues toward not prosecuting him. So I, I think that is true. What he's referring to guys is the process of discovery. So once you're arrested, right. And um, charges are filed against you, whether it's state or federal, it doesn't matter the state or the government, whoever, well, it's the government, whether it's state or not has a duty to disclose all of the evidence that's being used against you in court guys in the process of discovery. And it's very serious guys. Let's say you don't turn something over in discovery. That's going to be used to prosecute a client that AUSA or prosecutor can get disbarred for that. OK, right. A lot of issues when it comes to uh, discovery and getting everything over. So um, regardless of what happens, if, if uh, Trump is prosecuted, this search warrant is going to have to be put out there. Fuck redactions. They're going to have to put everything out there. Sorry. Go ahead. Andrew. No, no, no. Exactly. And, and I think one of the arguments is, is that after the indictment is dropped, they're going to unseal some of the remainder or some of the balance of this information. You know, that's one of the arguments the government makes in their uh, notice of filing of the redacted uh, memorandum is that the, the that when the indictment actually drops, because we don't have an indictment yet. Right. We we're, at a, we're at a stage where we're, there's been a, a search, but there has not been an indictment. So the argument is, OK, let us get to the next step and then we'll unseal more. Now, they haven't I don't, I don't think it's clear whether they're going to unseal all. Right. Mm-hmm. But yep. at, at least more than they have right now. Yeah. And can you for, break down for the people real quick what an indictment is? Because I, I don't think enough people understand uh, how important that is and what it is. Right. Just just think of it in very simply as in the tr- like first you're going to look, hey, you're going to investigate. Hey, look, has there been a crime committed here? Right. So you have to do a search. Right. And the standard for that is probable cause. It's just, hey, is there a reason to go in? Is there a reason to look at this person's premises? Is there a reason to search this person's home in order to gather information? And, well, we're going to see in this affidavit what they had for probable cause. And, well, what we can't see because it's redacted, but we're going to go through that. Um, but when you go to an indictment, that's actually levying charges against the individual. They are not officially charged with a crime until they levy an indictment against an individual. In this case, uh, probably in front of a grand jury. Um, there's multiple methods, uh, you know, at the federal level, but probably in front of a federal grand jury, which will bring the official charges against 
in this case, Donald Trump. And then that would have to go to a trial after that. But the indictment is just the first step in bringing the charges in the criminal process. Bam. Fantastic explanation, my friend. You know, if he wants to keep berating the Justice Department and the FBI, he could talk himself into being charged because they could they could go to Garland and say, you know, look, he's castigating us. And the only way that we can get our reputations back and, you know, show the public what really happened here is to have a public trial. Whereas I don't really think that's where this is headed. Interesting. Um, let's follow up on that, John. And, and, and it raises a good point. I mean, just because it's not in this affidavit, which was the justification, the rationale for going ahead and, and searching the president's Florida home, uh, it, it, it could be indirectly in, in among the justifications for it. But more importantly, they have these documents now, right? They have all of them are presumably the ones that they wanted to get. Uh, and it could still come up, couldn't it? Uh, you made a good point, Neil. If all the Justice Department and the White House and the intelligence agencies want is the documents back, well, they've got them back. And now that they've got them back, they shouldn't be pressing forward with any kind of investigation. It's over. That's why I don't think there's any real block other than declassifying, making the affidavit actually more fully public. Why not declassify the documents they actually took from President Trump and show the public what they were? If the government really feels that this was a national security threat for President Trump to have these documents, then let's see them in a sanitized form. And oh, that's never. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to that that would literally destroy the government's case yeah. because the whole the whole case is the government is these are super secret documents. Yeah. Right. These are super secret. <laughs> so so let's let's sanitize these super secret documents and release them. Well, no, as, as soon as you release even a, a, a sentence of them they become less serious. Like when they're this mysterious document you cannot see, yeah. right, then it's something super important. But if they actually looked at the documents and actually what was stamped top secret, and let's be real, Myron, sometimes stuff is labeled at a security clearance when really, honestly, it doesn't need to be, right? 100%. Somebody said, oh, you know what? We're going to slap a security clearance on this, even though it's maybe just a memorandum or maybe it's just something between a foreign leader and a U.S. leader. Right. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to label this top secret. Right. Even though if you looked at it, it looks mundane as hell. But maybe it has some details about, I don't know, where they live or what they're doing, something that might give away, you know, sources and methods. We can talk about the broadness of that. Right, Myron? Yeah, so absolutely. any it's very easy for things to be qualified as top secret. It doesn't need to be like was joked about the nuclear codes. And I think we spoke about that last time, but the new codes was actually based on a joke. That whole thing about the new codes that was based on somebody taking Trump's fundraising logo mm -hmm. from his email and editing it to look like a Powerball, like the nuclear codes are 15, 21, 86, 42. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was complete bullshit, completely fake. Right. And that's the thing that they wanted to that I think Trump in his own tweet was trying to debunk. He was more uh, concerned, I think, about the public perception here, because as usual, the public has a lot of bad ideas about what was in these um, what was in the affidavit and what they were looking for in the first place. Yeah. Um, now, we're not going to get that specifically in this affidavit, but it certainly wasn't nuclear codes. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And not only that, people need to understand that, like, you know, things can be classified as, as secret, top secret for anything, man. A big reason why, guys, is sometimes simply how the information was gathered will make it classified. 
You know, it could have been the information isn't even classified in itself. Like, let's say it's like public information or to some degree or law enforcement sensitive, but it's procured in a way that was sensitive. They're going to make it. They're going to classify it as something that's uh, classified secret or top secret, maybe even SCI. A lot of the time things are classified simply based on how they're procured versus what is actually within the, the what the contents are of that document. So that's also something people need to understand as well. Sometimes you look at it like, what the fuck? This is public knowledge. Hey, still classified. Uh, a lot of the things that were on WikiLeaks, guys, were still considered classified, even though they were public knowledge, right? Right, right. Um, so, it, <laughs> you know, it, and it wasn't necessarily because the content of it was classified. It was how it was procured is what makes it classified. Right. So. If they really aren't that dangerous, then maybe President Trump really has a good point. But the other thing, Neil, is I, I agree with Andy. I have a hard time believing that this Justice Department is going to try to prosecute President Trump, now that we've learned more details about how these documents were kept, that President Trump was just tossing them into boxes along with photos and clippings. I mean, sounds like a 95-year-old guy just throwing papers in a box. I can't see there being a shit. The whole purpose of this raid, whatever you want to call it, was to get back very valuable classified, even though the president himself said after as president, he could declassify them. But to get all of this stuff back, National Archives and all these guys, we're, we're looking for these, demanding these, wondering what happened to these. We're separately told that the White House Counsel's Office, uh, you know, was involved in, in this to a degree, even though now we're hearing from the White House. No one was briefed on this. I, I, I don't know where to go on that one. But Well, yeah, I mean, of course, they're not going to brief them on this, you know, people. Yeah. But I mean, this. The, the, to be honest with you, and we already know this from looking at the affidavit, it was the Washington field office of the FBI that did this. No one knew what the hell was going on. You know, uh, mm -hmm. it, it was a small uh, section of FBI just that knew what was going on here. They came down to Florida. They did the search warrant, you know, and, and that's it. You know, they didn't tell yeah. the, the Miami field office until probably the day of, you know, or the, or a day prior. But, but if, if this was, yes, I'm Andrew. No, 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 that was it. No, you're exactly right. They probably didn't know until the last second. Sensitive documents back in the right hands. How do we know there isn't more here and that, that this wasn't just about getting those documents? Andy, what do you think? Well, well, Neil, I think that's the reason why the search took nine or 10 hours and they had very capacious authority on the four corners of the warrant to you know, basically pick up every scrap of paper uh, that was related to the Trump presidency because they want to make sure they got everything. But you're right. You never can have uh, that kind of assurance uh, it just that that kind of perfect information doesn't exist but i just really think that um there's so much downside to trying to prosecute a case like this and i don't think neil that they just wanted to make sure the documents got back in the right hands if not only that you also set a precedent right like i mean if you're right. going to prosecute uh you know uh f P potus right uh, former president of the United States of America, bro, you're going to have to go after everybody. You're going to have to go over go after Hillary. <laughs> Bill. Hillary right. You're going to have to go after um, Biden's son. You're going to go right. out. You're going to have to do some investigations. Joe Biden getting money from the Chinese. Like you right. got to go all the way. If you're going to, if you're going to go ahead and indict a former president of the United States, everyone needs to feel the wrath of the U S justice department. Can't just be the former president, bro. Cause then it's going to look crazy. It's going to look unduly suggestive. What's your right, thoughts? Right. No, absolutely. And, and it was hilarious. After after we did our last episode, you know, they got on, they tried to say, oh, people are begrudging the professionalism of the FBI. I'm like, well, 
you know, it, it's a bad look. It looks like the FBI has been weaponized as a political instrument. Now, it's done so at the head, right? Merrick Garland is a political appointee, right? So he's inherently a political dude. Um, but it still, it still sets that dangerous precedent that we're going to have every single former president hit. Imagine if there's a Republican. Imagine if Trump's back in. Imagine if Trump somehow is back in office. Yep. Do you think he's not going to look into Biden now? Do you think he would hold back on that? Do you think <laughs> Trump, Donald Trump, would not be a little bit, a little bit, even if it was petty, would say, you know what, we're searching his home. We're yeah. searching Hunter's Next. home. Uh, you know that's going to happen. If yeah, Hunter, Hunter definitely going to get son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it would just set bad precedent, man. It really would. Um, you've asked someone to send box. We the people ain't about that life. The Constitution was written against tyranny, and yet uh, WTP is letting shit slide. Them snowflakes are actually much tougher. This situation is the proof. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's wild, man. My, like I said before, I said this on the last podcast. I'm going to say this again. Regardless of the fact that I am a Trump supporter, to let you guys know, right, for full transparency, I like Donald Trump. Um, I'm not going to say everything he did was perfect. He did a lot of stupid things, too. No one is perfect. Everyone does makes mistakes. No, You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I'm a firm believer, though, that you don't have to like the president of the United States, okay? You don't have to like him personally or have him be your friend or whatever. Did they do a good job? Fuck your feelings. Did they do a good job? Now, with that said, objectively speaking, for the purposes of, you know, this podcast and, uh, you know, the information that we're going to share with you guys, I'm telling you guys that out of transparency. However, my thing is, Trump supporter or not, everyone needs to get the same goddamn treatment when it comes to being investigated by the FBI for public corruption issues or whatever it may be. Hillary Clinton did not get this level of scrutiny with, you know, handling classified information. And I would, you could argue hers were even worse because people died in Benghazi as, as you know, a, a, a link to that. Okay. Um, Hunter Biden's out here doing crack with hookers. That's pretty damn intense. Okay. <laughs> Much worse than putting some classified documents in your house in Mar-a-Lago, you know? So my thing is everyone needs to be investigated if we're going to go down this road. Okay. It's yep. gotta be equal. The badge of the FBI, like I, and I showed you guys this before is a woman with a blindfold holding scales. Okay. That are supposed to be even, to define that justice is blind and it's even. You gotta you gotta investigate everybody the same way, baby. That's the way I look at it. You know, regardless of what I like or what I don't like, if you're gonna give that energy for Trump, it needs to go for everybody else as well. Regardless of um, you know, political party. That's my only right. thing. Um, okay, so let's see here. So let's I guess we could get right into this affidavit, right? Yeah, yeah, let's jump right into it. Okay, so um, okay, so uh you if I guess had... we give the people a quick little refresher on what a search warrant is. Yeah, I mean, last week. So, so mind you, this is the stage at which the uh, a search warrant is permission to go inside someone's home. Your home is protected. Your home is constitutionally protected. The police cannot just jump into your home and look into your panty drawer like they did with Melania's uh, lingerie, <laughs> right? Uh, they cannot normally do that. That is an infringement on our most fundamental of rights as Americans. That's literally one of the most core rights to Americans is protection from searches and seizures in your own home. Mm -hmm. So in order to go do that, in order to go into their legit home, they had to go to a judge and say, here's why. We think they committed a crime. We think these documents are here. Here's why. And by the way, they have a very open scope to search anywhere in Mar-a-Lago for any documents related to yes. the presidency. It was not a narrow scope. It was not specific documents. It was not, hey, there's one box. They took pretty much, from what it seems like, anything uh, that was relating to it. 
Um, so that search warrant was granted uh, because according to the search warrant and the judge's decision, there was probable cause that there might be uh, documents that they sought inside of Trump's home. Bam. All right. And uh, so, guys, this document right here that I'm about to show you guys, OK, is a um, as you guys can see, it's a notice of filing of redacted memorandum. OK, so basically what this is, is the government basically saying, hey, OK, we're going to, you know, uh, release parts of this search warrant redacted, of course. And um, the interesting part here, guys, is that there was United States sealed ex parte memorandum of law regarding proposed redactions. And guys, ex parte pretty much means um, it's done with the judge alone. The government basically right. meets with the government. There's, uh, you know, another counsel is not there. Okay. That's typically what ex parte means. Um, it's done within the government itself. Okay. There's not an opposing right. party there. Um, so this is basically some documents where they're just essentially justifying and explaining why they redacted the affidavit. Okay. And to be honest, to sum it up for y'all, a lot of it has to do with agent safety. A lot of it has to do with uh, the, the investigation. It has to do with um, classified information, sources, investigating, you know, uh, protecting investigative techniques, all this stuff. But, you know, I figured this might be important for you guys just to kind of see uh, that they filed this alongside following the affidavit. OK, as you can see, there's witness information. Hell, they even redacted parts of this goddamn seal <laughs> before the affidavit. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> you know That's what I'm saying? Crazy. So, um, you know, so that's uh, that's kind of what it is. So we're, I just want to show you guys this so you guys know what's going on. Now, just so you guys understand. So in order to get a search warrant, guys, you have to go ahead and write something called an affidavit. OK, an affidavit basically is an outline of the evidence and facts and circumstances in your case that lets you coming to the conclusion of, yo, I need to search this house, phone, um, structure, whatever it is. It's the probable cause that outlines why you need to search this stuff. Okay. We know what, thanks to the fourth amendment, you need to be able to reach the threshold of probable cause to be able to search a person, uh, a person's person places or things. Okay. And they say this in the set in the fourth amendment, you know, a human being in the United States basically has a right to privacy and no uh, search shall be done unless, you know, probable cause established and a warrant is issued. Okay. And that warrant can be issued by a magistrate judge. Uh, so in this case, it was a magistrate judge out of the Southern District of Florida, West Palm Beach Division, that went ahead and granted the FBI a search warrant. So we're going to go ahead and go through this affidavit right now, okay? So here it is, guys, okay? Uh, in sealed search warrant, notice of filing, redacted search warrant, affidavit, and redacted ex parte memorandum of law concerning proposed redactions, which we kind of went over that before, which is kind of what I want to show you guys. Now we're going to get into affidavit, and we're going to break this thing down line by line. Before I get into this, guys, I need you guys to, number one, like the video. Number two, subscribe to my guy Andrew's uh, YouTube channel, Legal Mindset, okay? Sorry, guys, I'm doing a million things out here. Here he is right here. Go subscribe to his goddamn YouTube channel, like this video, okay? Uh, because this is probably going to be the most thorough breakdown of this affidavit. I have not seen anyone else on the Internet do this, Okay. Um, and quite frankly, most uh, the, most people don't have the experience to do this. Like I said before, I've ran hundreds of these goddamn things. I've ran hundreds of search warrants when I was a federal agent myself. And then we got a lawyer in the house, legal mindset. We're going to be able to break down legal jargon for y'all. So between us two, this one-two punch is unstoppable when it comes to breaking this thing down. So uh, before I get into it real quick, you've asked him on his 10 bucks goes, Trump did nothing wrong for anyone not to like him. All the evil uh, stems from the left. 
when they steal it again in 2024, I guarantee y'all boys ain't going to do nothing but complain about it. Yeah, more than likely. That's why you guys got to get out, get out there and vote, man. That's that's what happens. That's the importance of, of voting. And then I'll read the rest of these chats before I get into it. Please do the triad case. Sounds like you was lit. Okay, I will do the Asian triad case that I did before. Nice. Uh, so made a ruling on guns a few months ago. What is my right as someone from NYC? What must I do to stay on the right side of law? I've done multiple episodes on my channel, Legal Mindset, on the Bruin decision. But if you want the long, short version is New York Rifle Pistol versus Bruin extended the D.C. versus Heller case. So we already had a right to self-defense in your home. But in New York, that right was extended out of the home. And the fact that New York required probable cause or required, sorry, proper cause uh, to get a firearms license, to get a concealed carry license was not constitutional. You cannot require a showing of cause to uh, a proper cause of good, good reason to uh, bear arms outside the home. They just, you know, they can put other requirements in, but not that specific clause. Now, they can still require a concealed permit. That's something they can still do, but they can't limit the number of people just because they don't have a good reason. So that is a huge expansion of your uh, self-defense rights. However, I will say if you live in a state like New York, functionally your self-defense rights are far 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 less than a state let's say like texas or florida bam uh and then we got last one here dick maximus two bucks please explain what a special master is um i mean a special master is someone that's appointed specifically think about you know when it's ever it's anything special like special counsel special master remember it's specific to that case it's specific to that issue they want someone who's focusing specifically on that one case that one issue and not doing a million things right any ausa might have at any given time a, a certain in a dozen i don't know a dozen cases six cases seven cases five you'll take carries Thank yes. you. Thank you, Myron. Right. They're working on my, many things. The special master's just working on that one thing. Bam. And then uh, WJ, I see here. They said, please do the Maxwell case. Already done, my friend. I did Epstein and I did uh, Glenn Maxwell. So go check that out. On and, and Myron did those. Myron did those, you know, even though, and I'll tell you this from the standpoint of a guy who covered it, even though the algorithm completely nukes you when you do anything touching Ghislaine Maxwell or Epstein. True. I right? noticed that, dude. And he still did it. He still did it. Yeah, man. I noticed those things didn't get any views and a million people asked me for them. I was like, what the hell? But they're not you know, seeing them. They don't know. That's why yeah. I did not realize they nuked those two, those two names oh, yeah. in the YouTube. I'll go. Yeah. Anytime you fuck with, with children, bro, it's an L for you automatically. And then the unequal application of the law is pretty apparent at the moment. Compare Paul Pelosi's DUI to this. No wonder institutional truth is in an all time low. Hey, man, it happens, my friends. Well, that's why that's why you got to subscribe to good channels. That's why you got to listen in, because, you know, you're, you're going to get the facts, but you're not going to get it from your Fox News, your CNN or your MSNBC. Facts. And I'm telling you guys this. I, I'm being transparent. I like Trump and I'm still going to be objective as hell with this thing and let you guys know what's going on. We're going to read through this affidavit and, and we're going to decode a lot of the stuff in here that's redacted. OK, so Let's here we go. Anyway. Pattern the search of location with the premises to be searched in attachment a so guys this is basically the house this is mar-a-lago they're re referring to it as the premises because in the search warrant they don't want to keep listing the address over and over okay um and then they go affidavit and su support uh, of an application under rule 41 for a warrant to search and seize that's hilarious bro they really crossing their t's and down their eyes they're they're literally writing out rule 41 uh which for you guys that are wondering under the criminal code for the um federally rule 41 you know is the whole part where we're talking about search warrants seizure warrants etc so they're going really hard here with how this affidavit is being written i am willing to bet more than likely an ausa wrote this and not an agent um anytime you need a very very thorough search warrant 
the AUSA is a lot of times write their search warrants. Come okay. on, there's not, that's just one, not just one, Myron. There's probably like 10 AUSAs on this, man. Yes, Come so on. You're right. You're this right. Is Trump, <laughs> this is Trump. Come yes. on. They're not going to let one guy do this. Yes. Shit. You're right. And let me tell you how this, I, I don't even need to read through all this to let you guys know they have more than enough probable cause to search the premise. Let me make that extremely clear. Regardless of, like I said before, me and Andrew are going to be very unbiased on this. They have more than enough probable cause to search this house right. based on these facts and this warrant that I've seen already, guys. Remember, with a search warrant like this on a former president of the United States, they're going to cross their T's, dot their I's, and as you guys can see, we're going to go through this thing line by line. You're going to see all the probable cause they had to go search his house. Now, a good amount yeah. of it is redacted, and we're going to try to decipher it for you guys, but um, this is typically how search warrants are written. Most of the time, um, the AUSAs write their search warrants. Me, when I was an agent myself personally, I wrote all my own warrants. I didn't have the AUSA write them. You just write it yourself, have the AUSA look it over, they make some changes, then they, they say, okay, it's good, they go to the judge, and then you sign it. But in this case, I'm more than, well, I, I bet my left testicle, it was the AUSA that wrote this, and probably 10 AUSAs, just like Andrew said. So, it goes, I, and then as you guys can see, this big black thing. What is this? This is the agent's name, guys. Okay. I, let's say, Agent Tom, being first duly sworn, hereby deposed, and state as follows. So now he's saying this under oath, guys. Okay. The government's conducting a criminal investigation concerning the improper removal and storage of classified information on the authorized spaces, as well as unlawful, uh, unlawful concealment or removal of government records. The investigation began as a result of a referral from the United States National Archives and Records Administration, NARA sent to the United States Department of Justice, DOJ, on February 9, 2022. So what do we know now? We know that this case, okay, started with a referral from NARA to the Department of Justice, namely more than likely the FBI. Um, and look at the timing on that, right? So this is during the, the Biden presidency. So obviously this did not start while Trump was in office. Yeah. Right? So obviously this started after Trump was in office, and clearly uh, it was because of something that was brought up uh, over that last year or so. Exactly. Very important to know. So about a month after Trump left, <laughs> a month after the insurrection, <laughs> they're like, hey, we need oh. to get these documents back. All right. Yeah. No, just kidding. So here we go. So narrow referral. OK, guys. So for the rest of the uh, the, 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 the affidavit, we're going to look at it as a narrow referral. OK, the narrow referral stated that on January 18, 2022, in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, PRA, narrow received from the office of the former president, Donald J. Trump, here and after F-P-O-T-U-S. OK, F-POTUS. OK, former president of the United yeah. States. Via representatives, 15 yeah. boxes of records here and after the 15 boxes, the 15 boxes which had been transported from the photos property at 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida. Guys, that's Mar-a-Lago right there, okay? Here and after referred to as the premises, okay? A residence and club known as Mar-a-Lago further described in attachment A were reported by NARA to contain, among other things, highly classified documents intermingled with other records. You guys are probably wondering, what the fuck is attachment A? Guys, attachment A is what is to be searched. Attachment B is the items that we're that are they're looking for. Okay, anytime you're at a search warrant, you got an affidavit, then you got attachment A, B, and C. Okay, typically the affidavit is attachment C, attachment A is what's to be searched, and then attachment B is what is to be searched, or what's to be taken, excuse me, and seized. All right, after initial review of the narrow referral, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, opened a criminal investigation to, among other things, determine how the documents with classification markings and records were removed from the White House or any other authorized locations for the storage of classified materials and came to be stored at the premises. Determine whether the storage locations at the premises were authorized locations for the storage of classified information 
determine whether any uh, additional classified documents or records have been stored in an authorized location at the premises or another unknown location. And whether Okay, they- so hold on though real quick. So oh, okay. understand that when they say that, when they say authorized location, like a lot of the language they use, they're using it in very specific way because it means something. So when they say authorized location, that likely means something under the Records Retention Act and the Records Storage Act. It's probably something that the administration has to say, hey, this is an authorized location for the storage of documents. Right. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you uh, that the agency, the administration itself did not designate Mar-a-Lago as an authorized uh, location for the storage of documents. Or uh, if it was at one point, it might have been removed. We actually don't know some of the, the details here. Um, but, uh, but it's something that they're using specifically that language is specific because it's in the statute. Fantastic point. Yes. hundred percent. And they're, they're doing that on purpose. Right. That's, that's a great point. Paul Williams, five bucks unequal application law. Oh, no, sorry. I read that one before Jonathan Cabrera goes, uh, full POTUS didn't like slash trust CIA. So he used a private Intel company. He was being fed BS from most of the three letter agencies. They're after him. Hey man, you never know. Uh, Brady Walden, crazy what happens when you piss off the left nowadays. Love the podcast. Keep it the great work. And then we got Melanie. Thank you for breaking this down, Mara. We got you. Ain't nobody else going to read this goddamn affidavit on this thing. It's probably going to take some time. <laughs> Nobody's going to read it. Yeah. DeMarco. There's a reason why they're not reading it, man. A bunch of people talking yeah. out their ass. They don't know what they're talking about. So we're going to break this down for you guys on another level. I need you guys to like the video and subscribe to my channel, Feta 1811. And then more importantly, subscribe to Legal Mindset. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, great point, by the way, Andrew, there. I didn't even catch that. The FBI's investigation has established the documents bearing classification markings, which appear to contain national defense information, NDI, guys, okay, national defense information. Burn this into your brains because they're going to be using this quite a bit in this affidavit, okay? We're among the materials contained in the 15 boxes and were stored at the premises in an unauthorized location. Again, guys, remember, premises is Mar-a-Lago. National defense information is NDI, okay? And then, bam, of course, this is redacted. Further... There is probable cause to believe that additional documents that contain classified NDA, NDI or that are presidential records subject to record retention requirements currently remain at the premises. There is also probable cause to believe that evidence of obstruction will be found at the premises. Okay. Now, paragraph four. This is what we call, guys, and I love me paragraph, okay? When you're a special agent, right, whether you work for DEA, FBI, et cetera, your job is to identify yourself, the agency you work for, and the duties that you hold at that agency, okay? Whatever qualifies you to be the affiant on this affidavit. So, for example, if I'm a DEA agent, I'm writing a search warrant to, you know, to hit a stash house that I know has 20 kilos of cocaine, I'm going to write in there, I'm a DEA agent, I train at Quantico, I've done several drug trafficking investigations, I've conducted hundreds of search warrants, um... I'm going to outline the facts in this investigation uh, from my expertise in drug trafficking and knowing how drug traffickers operate. Bam. Then I go into my facts. So in this case, this agent is going to talk about their expertise and what qualifies them to be the affiant on this search warrant. So here we go. I'm a special agent FBI science of the Washington field office. Called it. Me and Andrew Ben told y'all this, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, During this time, I have received training at the FBI Academy located in Quantico, Virginia, specific to counterintelligence and espionage investigations. There we go. Hey, does that does that surprise you there, Myron? Because you're a federal agent. Yes. The fact that this person was a a specialist in counterintelligence and espionage. Is that something that surprised you that they put a person with those specialties on this case? No, I'm not surprised at all. So the way the FBI works, guys, I'll break this down for you all real quick. The FBI has different squads. Okay, so what the FBI does is they call their their units squads. So um, they have typically a public corruption squad. They have a bank robbery squad. They have a violent crimes slash safe streets task force squad. They have a cyber squad. They have a counter and uh, counterintelligence squad or CI squad. Um, typically, they also do espionage 
And then they also have, um, you know, Joint Terrorism Task Force or, you know, or Counterterrorism. OK, and I've explained I've explained on many podcasts before what the Joint Terrorism Task Force is. It's a comprom- uh, it's a it's basically a task force with a bunch of different agencies working together to combat terrorism, because after 9-11, basically the FBI and the intelligence agencies figured out that they fucked up because they didn't work together, share information. And that's how those hijackers were able to get the, on those planes and go into the towers, etc. So the FBI has several different squads that investigate different types of crime. So the Washington field office being a big office, right, a special agent in charge office to be exact, probably going to have hundreds of agents in that office. The bigger the office, the more they can, uh, how do I say this, compartmentalize in specific squads. Okay, but the groups I just mentioned, you know, are pretty much the main types of squads that the FBI has at their big field offices. Now, if you're at a rack office, right, which is like smaller, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 agents, then in that case, they might break it up into only two or three squads. Um, or if it's just a small rack office with like 10 agents, then everybody does everything. Everyone's doing different types of cases. You might have a bank robbery case. You might also have a counterintelligence case. You might also have, you know, a bank robbery, uh, you know, uh, uh, violent crimes or a gang case. But um, in the bigger field offices, they're able to specialize more. So I'm not surprised that the Washington field office has a squad that does just counterintelligence and espionage. And this agent was assigned this from this squad um, because they probably opened up the case under a certain case file number which um, correlates with espionage and um, counterintelligence. Boom. That's how the FBI is uh, organized, guys. Um, so, and then here, right, this part right here that's redacted, I'm willing to bet this part right here says something about that agent that would probably be able to identify them. Hey, I've done this many types of investigations. I'm responsible for these many search warrants, blah, blah, blah. So this redaction right here more than likely is something related to that agent's skill set that could potentially identify them, which is why they redacted it. Um, Mm. Just as they redacted the agent's name. And I want to make this extremely clear for you guys. It is not common to redact the agent's name on an affidavit. Not common whatsoever. Okay? Um, So based on my training experience, I'm familiar with efforts used to unlawfully collect, retain, and disseminate sensitive government information, including classified national defense information, NDI, guys. Okay? I make this affidavit in support of an application under Rule 41 of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure for a warrant to search the premises known as 1100 South Ocean Boulevard, Palm Beach, Florida. The premises is further described in Attachment A for the things described in Attachment B. Again, guys, remember, Attachment A is going to be a picture of the location that's going to be searched, okay, as well as like some biographical information about it. And then B is going to be what they intend to take, okay? And then Attachment C is the affidavit, which is this right here, what we're going through. Based upon the following facts, there's probable cause to believe that the locations to be searched at the premises contain evidence, contraband, fruits of a crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of 18 U.S.C. 793E, 1519, or 2071. Now we So, broke- guys, remember, yeah, those are the three we went through, right? So that you got the national defense information there. You have uh, confidential in the taking of documents, right, the impermissible taking of documents, and you have the obstruction, right? So those are the three charges that we went through. So you're going to check our last episode for that. But all of those, all of those that we went through last time relate to documents. They relate solely to documents and, and nothing else. Taking documents that we're not supposed to have. Yeah. So 18 U.S.C. 793, guys, real quick, is, you know, gathering, transmitting, or losing uh, defense information. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, 1519, what was that one, Andrew? Obst- that's that? obstruction. Obstruction. And then um, and then this one right here, uh 2071 is also documents yeah that's like a mutilation one right if i'm not mistaken yes Yes. Yes. mutilation of documents so source of evidence the facts set forth in this affidavit are based on my personal knowledge uh 
personal knowledge, knowledge obtained during my participation in this investigation, and information obtained from other FBI and U.S. government personnel. Okay, they did this on purpose, guys. They don't want to say who else they're working with. Normally, you would give credit to other agencies you're working for it with, but the fact that they're only, they're only putting U.S. government personnel tells me that they have probably more than likely some agencies involved that they don't want to disclose that might or may not may or may not be involved in the intel world okay yep because this affidavit is submitted for the limited purpose of establishing probable cause in support of the application of a search warrant it does not set forth every each and every fact that i or others have learned during the course of this investigation what the hell does that mean in english that means that we know a lot more than we're putting in this affidavit we're only putting the bare minimum required so that we can get this goddamn warrant but there's way more that we know and we're not putting it all in this affidavit okay and that's very important guys i mean obviously this is language that you put in almost any search warrant that you're going to do however you can tell from the gravity of the information they have in this search warrant, they probably know a lot more, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So this right here, statutory um, authority and definitions, um, 18 USC 793E, so they're basically going through the laws here, okay, guys? Which, um, Andrew, do you want to go through these, or we already broke these down? Uh, yeah, I think we got we got the statutory authority. Once again, 793 is defense information, is information related to... Uh, right here? Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. It's information related to uh, defense documents that are turned over, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got uh, some executive orders right here, which uh, talk about classification. Oh, yeah. How classifications um, work. Yes. And there's, you know, going through that, um, although there's some debate and this is something that will come up, you know, as we go towards the indictment and definitely at the trial level of, you know, there were executive orders that allow the sealed, the classifying and unclassifying of information verbally. And that's one of the uh, positions of Trump is that he verbally declassified documents, that he said, I'm, I'm declassifying these documents verbally, and that's something they could do in the past. Um, so that's one of the defenses, but that, that, that that's not relevant at this point. Once again, this is an affidavit. The standard is probable cause, which is very, very low. It's a good reason. So yep. they're saying they have a reason to believe that some of these documents might still be classified, might still be protected information. So yeah. that's why that that's why all of this information is in here about what's classified and what's not classified. And to make life easy for you guys, there's three main ones that you need to know: top secret, secret, and confidential. And then there's also something called top secret SCI or secret compartmentalized information. Think of that as a little bit higher than um than TS. Okay. Uh, me myself, when I was an agent, I carried a top secret clearance, guys. That's pretty much any special agent is going to get that clearance. Uh, whether you work for DEA, FBI, that's like a basic. TS clearance is what you're going to get if you do um, anything at the federal level where you're, you know, doing any type of law enforcement function a lot of the time, at least at the agent level. OK. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so that that's the basic things that you need to know here. And then uh, we're such. OK, so they talk about here like the the gravity of each level. Right. So they basically say um, where such unauthorized disclosure could reasonably result in the damage to national security, the information may be cl classified as confidential, must be properly safeguarded. Where such unauthorized disclosure could reasonably result in serious damage to national security, uh, the information may be classified as secret and must be properly safeguarded. Where such unauthorized disclosure could reasonably result in exceptionally grave damage to national security, the information may be classified as top secret and must be properly safeguarded. So that's a nice little summary right there, guys, as to the, the damage that can be incurred if um, you know each level of uh, I guess classification is is breached with a disclosure of some type of sensitive document. Okay, 
And then here they okay, see they make a little thing here where SCI means classified information concerning or derived from intelligence sources, methods, or analytical processes, which is required to be handled with formal access control systems. So special intelligence or SI is an SCI control system designed to protect technical and intelligence information derived from the monitoring of foreign communications signals by other than the intended recipients. The SI control system protects SI derived information and information relating to SI activities, capabilities, techniques processes and procedures okay so you got sci now they're going a little bit further and they're giving you other details and the reason why i'm reading through this guys is because um the, there's these acronyms are going to come back up as we go through this search warrant okay yes so special intelligence or sci control system right now you got h-u-m-i-n-t control system or hcs is a sci control system designed to protect intelligence information derived from clandestine human sources commonly referred to as Human intelligence, the HCS control system protects human intelligence derived information and information relating to human intelligence activities, capabilities, technique, processes, and procedures. What does that mean in English? Those are more than likely CIA sources, guys, that they waterboarded, okay? <laughs> there you go. I mean, I mean, enhanced interrogation, Myron. It's enhanced yeah. interrogation. That's enhanced interrogation techniques right there. Human intelligence, a.k.a. We put this dude uh, through a fucking put a white towel on his face, ask him a bunch of questions, and uh, put some put some water on it. You know, that's what that means. All right, guys, in plain English for y'all. All right, so just to keep things simple, guys, as you guys can see, you got SCI, and then you got components of SCI. To keep this thing secret, guys, we're gonna refer to you know SCI, SI, or HCS. They're all gonna be top secret level, guys. Maybe a higher level of top secret, but they're basically TS. All right. Now, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. I've I've went over this in detail with you guys, excruciating detail, especially on the on the Robert Hansen case. But it is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, is a dissemination control designed to protect intelligence information derived from the collection of information author, authorized under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, or FISC. Okay, what's FISA, guys? Basically. If you have some information as an agent, right, and this is typically with FBI agents because they do counter-espionage and counterintelligence. Uh, if you, let's say the FBI gets wind of a Chinese national that's in the United States that they think is here that's a spy. Well, they're not going to go to the regular courts and go ahead and get a wiretap. No, my friends. Oh, no, no, no. Ahead and go to a FISA court and get wiretaps to listen to that person's phone. Why? Well, because, number one, they're a foreign national. Not only are they foreign national, they're foreign national uh, operating. Um, under the auspice of a foreign government to, you know, you know, to overthrow and or dethrone or gain uh, intelligence on the U.S. Uh, intelligence community. So they're going to go ahead and use other means to collect on that individual. OK, so with the FISA courts, guys, they don't need probable cause and all these fancy standards to go ahead and listen to your phone. The threshold is much lower. Okay. Because they're not citizens. Right. That's the, yes, that's that's the part issue of there. So you do not have rights if you are not a citizen. That's a part of it. And then also under, you know, the Patriot Act that also gave um, obviously the U.S. government quite a bit of control as far as like being able to, you know, intercept uh, communication and monitoring. I mean, hell, this is why the NSA got in trouble with Snowden. Right. Snowden was over here. He gave information on I think it was Operation Whirlwind or something like that, where they were collecting on U.S. citizens, which is a big yeah. fucking now should be collecting a national um, security. Excuse me. Um Intelligence agencies should not be collecting on U.S. citizens. That's a big no-no. Which yeah, that is was why a big, that was a big, big, big uh, loss of our individual rights. And, and yes. frankly, uh, I think a lot of people who want to look back to when this shit started, you got to go all the way back to the Patriot Act, and you got to go all the way back to that era. Like, do not forget that that shit 
is a lot of the root cause of this. And, and also don't forget, you know, people with the left, right shit, don't forget that that came in under W, right? So all you guys that are like, yo, it's all the Dems. It's like, yo, W did a lot of this stuff too, right? Facts. So like you got to go back then, you got to look at that and you got to give blame where blame's due. Yep. And yo, Black Hawk Lehman, 500 bucks. Chipping into the Fund. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, like these types of cases, man, they take quite a bit of time. Um, so I really appreciate you donating to the channel. As you guys know, I just love doing this stuff, man. I love sharing this information with you guys, like I said before. Um, it's not every day that you're able to get this kind of information from someone that used to be on the job. So uh, thank you so much, Black Lehman. I appreciate it. You are the fucking man. And guys, don't forget to... Like the video, subscribe to the channel, Fed1811, and also subscribe to Legal Mindset, man. Help us both hit, hit 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, let's do it. We got a bunch of people that don't deserve 100,000-plus subscribers. That are <laughs> you ain't going to get a better breakdown, man. But hell, we're telling you guys what FISA courts are and shit like that. People don't know what this stuff is. Okay. We're fucking illiterate out there. Um, okay, so uh, classified information may be marked as not not releasable to foreign nationals, government slash U.S. citizens, of, abbreviated as no foreign. To not, not to be confused with no porn, guys. To indicate information that may uh, not be released any for, form to foreign governments, foreign nationals, foreign organizations, or non-U.S. citizens without permission to the originator. Okay, you guys are probably wondering, well, why the hell would they give it out to foreigners, and, and why do we even have to say that? The reason why, guys, is a lot of these intelligence agencies work abroad, namely the CIA, okay? When you work for the CIA, or if you're a CIA agent, whatever it may be, you're an intel analyst, whatever, you work with foreign nationals most of the time. The CIA guys collects information on foreign nationals. A lot of their work is overseas. They're responsible for terrorism attacks overseas. The FBI is responsible for terrorism attacks in the United States. So if something happens domestic, FBI takes lead. If something happens international, it's CIA, okay? That's why the CIA doesn't waterboard terrorists in the United States. They got to do that shit in Guantanamo Bay, okay? Right. So, which is in, in Cuba. So with that said, they're saying this because some of these documents might be coming from intel agencies that work with foreign nationals a lot, so they can't share it, all right? And then classified information may be marked as originator controlled abbreviated ORCON. This marking indicates that dissemination beyond pre-approved U.S. entities requires originator approval. So what the hell does this mean? So that means, let's say um, CIA gives some documentation to NSA. NSA wants to share this information with someone else. NSA has to go ahead and get that approval from the CIA to share that information. So they cannot share it unless they get the originator's approval to share said information. And guys, this happens a lot in the government, even in law enforcement, man. If you want to go ahead and get some information from another agency, a lot of the times you have to fill outside agency um, paperwork to get that documentation. This happened a lot of the times whenever I worked with like state and locals, et cetera, and they wanted to get Department of Homeland Security records, whether it was immigration records, travel records, et cetera. They had to write me a formal email you know, hey, I was looking for these kinds of documents. I go ahead and I, uh, you know, I save that email. I get them what they need to do. I redact whatever I need to redact. And then I go ahead and give it to them. But they need to fill out paperwork to be able to do that. So that happens a lot with the government guys, um, especially when you have information that isn't coming from your original agency and someone else wants it. You have to a lot of the time fill out some kind of paperwork that allows you to do that. It's very bureaucratic, but that's how the government operates, man. It's compartmentalized like that on purpose so that the agencies kind of, um, how do I say this? It's compartmentalized to promote competitiveness. That's the best way that I can put it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trinity of the Phoenix, 20 bucks goes, there's no mishandling here for clowns in the chat. The president doesn't need to consult agencies under him to declassify documents. Archive said him the boxes and Biden admin had to suspend privilege and prep for FBI raid. Oh, <laughs> shit. 
That's Someone, definitely that's definitely his defense, right? And but the point is, yeah. is that that defense is not going to come up till we get that indictment, till we go toward trial, right? So, so regardless of regardless of whether that is a defense, because I think if that's true, right, like if he did declassify these documents, then and that's you know that's shown pretty clearly. I mean, we have an affidavit. Uh, we had, I believe, it was the burn affidavit, right? We reviewed that last time, Myron. Uh, that said that they were uh, declassified, that the documents were declassified. If that's indeed the case, then yeah, he's off the hook. But here's the thing. this is We're talking about the search level now. We are not talking about the indictment. We're not talking about trial. Yeah. We're at the most preliminary stage. The most preliminary stage. Yeah. Uh, men who support the left are beta mills. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Yves Simonis, which is exactly the drive of all these nefariousness against DT. World White Fight 3, I think it means World War 3, is required for a reset. Get the strap, Myron. Votes no longer have merit. God damn, bro. Uh, and then, guys, from this point forward, there's already a thousand of you guys in here. I'm going to read 20 and up only uh, just so that we can get through this affidavit. The charges that we're using the warrant don't require the document to be classified. Uh, y'all literally both have 79.7K subs. I'm thinking y'all should make a friendly wager on reaching 100K. Thoughts? Maybe. Oh, man. Uh, it, it, it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. Myron, yeah, Myron's going to do it because no one's doing this, man. We're both going to do it, but no one's going to give you this information, guys. Literally, nobody else has come out there and had the balls to be like, I worked in the federal government, except for Myron. Like, no one has the fucking cojones. And to go me. through and to go through it and to go through it and to say that I'm going to go through it line by line. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is doing that. Yeah, man, we're trying, man. And then not, not only that, but having a one-two punch with an attorney on the on the line, it's it's crazy. Now, okay, so they go into the statutes here, which me and uh, Andrew went painfully into. But uh, quick summary, 1519 uh, basically is, you know, the mutilization of records, right? Uh, and then also this is, um, if I'm not mistaken, objection, uh, uh, obstruction as well, right? Yes. Yes. Obstruction it's it's well, another, yes. it's another form of obstruction of justice. It's, it's actually a little bit more broad. Um, yes. and then you got 18 USC 20, 2071, which is the mutilation of, uh, of records themselves. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. With, and with 1519, real quick, see how yeah, broad that is when it says, if, if you do anything to hold those documents to influence the investigation or proper administration of any agency so literally they can say okay you you mess with the records retention of the ah. national records agency right so you mess with our you mess with our fucking dewey decimal system right you, you did something specific you because you did that this is super broad these statutes we talked about it last time but I, it, we gotta say it again they are so fucking broad and this is why this is how they got probable cause. This is how they got probable cause by picking a super broad law and saying, yeah, on this very broad law, it's there is a chance based on the information provided that Trump has those documents. Yep. Bam. Um, um, and then uh, 2071, very similar. Uh, but this one is like uh, the mutilization of uh, the documents, guys. So also, as you guys can see, extremely broad. OK. And if you guys want more detail, we uh, last uh, last week, we went over these statutes with a tooth and nail, like tooth and comb, man. So go ahead and check it out. Um, okay. So under PRA, so this is a statue under the uh, presidential records act. Okay. So what what are they doing right now, guys? You guys are probably wondering, why is this FBI agent listing all the shit? They're listing all the relevant statutes so that when they go ahead and refer to them in their affidavit, it makes more sense. Okay. So we didn't go over this one because I don't think this one was on the, uh, was on the search warrant application. No, it was not. It was not. So, uh, real quick, the term presidential records means documentary materials or any reasonably segre segregable 
uh, portion thereof created or received by the president, the president's immediate staff, or a unit or individual of the executive office of the president whose function is to advise or assist the president in the course of conducting activities which relate to or have an effect upon the carrying out of the constitutional, statutory, or other official or ceremonial duties of the president, such term. And then they kind of go into it as far as like a little bit more details, right? But basically, mm-hmm. now we know what they mean by that, right? Presidential Records Act. So probable cause. Now they're going to get into the facts of the investigation, guys, okay? Now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. So buckle up. Like the video. I'm looking right now. There's over 1,000 of you guys watching, but we only got 583 likes. We should be at 1,000 easy because, again, guys, number one, the gravity of what the hell is going on here? Crazy. A a president's former residence, a a former president's residence was searched by the FBI. Number two, you have a former federal agent and a lawyer breaking down a search warrant affidavit for you guys that no one else has done on the Internet. I've looked. Trust me. I've looked at Fox News. I've looked at all the other content creators that react to political stuff. None of them had been reading the affidavit line by line. Not only that, explains to you guys what the hell each portion of this affidavit actually means. Again, I've read hundreds of affidavits. Andrew's looked at hundreds of affidavits. He's probably ran them for agents himself or ran them for some people in the past. So you're not going to get this level of detail of breaking down an affidavit, especially a redacted one, anywhere else on the Internet. So please like the video, subscribe to the channel. You don't got to donate a dollar. And then also subscribe to Legal Mindset as well, man. All his links are below. Get on his locals. Get on his uh, his Instagram, his TikTok, etc. His TikTok is pretty big, by the way. People love this. <laughs> Go check them it's out. all filmed in the 305. All filmed in the 305. So let's get into the probable cause here. So the narrow fraud, guys, okay? As we know, the National uh, Records Place uh, referred to this to the to the Department of Justice. So on February 9, 2022, the special agent in charge of the NARA's office of the Inspector General sent the narrow fraud via email to DOJ. So this is a big deal, guys. The special agent in charge of the NARA's office of Inspector General. So what is the office of Inspector General, guys? The office of Inspector General oversees government agencies to make sure there's a, that there's not waste, fraud, and abuse. The fact that they referred it to the Department of Justice tells me they're like, okay, this is way too big for us. We don't have the capacity to go after the President of the United States. We got to give this to DOJ. All right? The narrow fro stated that according to NARA's White House Liaison Division Director, a preliminary review of the 15 boxes indicated that they contain newspapers, magazines, printed news articles, photos, miscellaneous printouts, notes, presidential correspondence, personal and post-presidential records, and a lot of classified records. Of most significant concern was the highly classified records were unfolded, intermixed with other records, and otherwise improperly identified. Okay? So it's saying that there's a bunch of crazy documents, some of which are different classification levels, right? You know, and they're just thrown in. Once again, it's painting a picture of, you know, Trump kind of running out of the running out of the White House with, you know, boxes of random ass documents, you know, whatever he could grab, shoving it in 15 boxes and kind of running out, painting a, a very interesting picture here. They definitely are. Whether that's true or not, mind you, this is the government's document, right? Yes. So the, this is the picture the government wants to paint here. This is the picture that the government wants to paint. We're not saying whether this is true. In fact, the government can paint a picture that it can be entirely untrue or can misrepresent or can be an exaggeration of what the reality is. Right. So, but this is the government's affidavit. This is something that was filed by, once again, the FBI and the prosecutor. So, this is their position. Bam. Well said, man. On February 18, 2022, 
the archivist of the United States chief administrator. Hold on, let me enlarge this for y'all so you can see the full document. Okay. On February 18, 2022, the archivist of the United States chief administrator for NARA stated in a letter to Congress's committee on oversight and reform chairwoman, the Honorable Carolyn B. Maloney, NARA had ongoing communications with representatives of the former President Trump throughout 2021, which resulted in the transfer of 15 boxes to NARA in January 2022. NARA has identified items marked as classified national security information within the boxes. The letter also stated, because NARA identified classified information in the boxes, NARA staff has been in communication with the Department of Justice. The letter was made publicly available to the following uniform resource uh, locator. I didn't even know that's what URL stood for. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. And then they put the link here. On February that's some FBI shit. That's some FBI shit. Spelling out URL. Yeah, yeah. And they have to do that in the affidavit for the first time. They always spell it out and then they uh, acronym it after. I remember yeah, doing yeah. that myself. Uh, on February 18, 2022, the same day, the Save America Political Action Committee, PAC, posted the following statement on behalf of the former president. The National Archives did not find anything they were given upon request President records in an ordinary and routine process to ensure the preservation of my legacy and in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, an image of the statement is below. So see how they're trying to lock Trump into a statement here? Yep. Statement by the uh, Donald Trump, 44th President of the United States of America. And you can't really read it here. I don't I don't know if they're doing that on purpose here. But basically, it's summarizing what he said, which is the National Archives did not find anything they were given upon request President's records in an ordinary and routine process to ensure the preservation of my legacy in accordance with the Presidential Records Act, right? And here it is. Then so that's, the st- that's the damning. So to the point is that that statement, that statement is the damning part, is the part they're using against him from yep. that email. So the rest of that is kind of irrelevant for the purposes of this affidavit. Exactly. So this part right here, this is where me and uh, Andrew, I guess, can speculate. All right. As you can see, more and more redactions, more and more redactions. Okay, and then it goes, boxes containing uh, containing documents were transported from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. So what do you think this is right here, Andrew, these paragraphs right here? Uh, this is going to be specifically relating to those documents, uh, to what, what they speculate, is, what they speculate those documents are, yeah. uh, the confidential information as part of those documents, um, and of course, how they would know that those are potentially confidential documents, which I think you can agree might fall under sources and methods. Um, as to as to the way those documents were created or retained, um, and what might actually be in there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think more than likely, uh, this right here, guys, what you're seeing, all these redactions, um, this is probably details of what those documents more than likely are, the classification levels, and the issues that could arise if they were discovered. Um, because remember, guys, these guys had looked in the boxes and seen what was in there to a degree. So they're f- fairly familiar with what was more than likely in there. So this right here probably has to do with the nature of the documents and then also probably has some kind of uh, sensitive information potentially on how they found out that they ended up at Mar-a-Lago. Because as you right. guys can see here, boxes containing documents were transported to the White House uh, from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. So more than likely, this also has some kind of sensitive info as yeah. to how the FBI knew that they were going, that they went to Mar-a-Lago in the first place. Okay, someone might have tipped them off about these boxes that we're about to read here. Yeah, and you can you can kind of say the the one way I would say Myron and tell me if you mean you've re, you've seen a lot of these as well. Yeah, it, when you look at the headers, right, and then you see how the headers are progressing. So you know the first header, if we kind of go yeah yeah uh, let me go back, back up, up right. So if you go back up, 
the first header is the NRA yeah, referral. Yeah. So you know that everything within that paragraph relates to the NRA, relates to how the NRA knew about those documents, you know, relates to uh, how the NRA knew those were classified. Then it deals with the transportation from yep. the White House to Mar-a-Lago. So you know, yep. okay, that's related to that paragraph. And then you go over provision of the boxes to the NRA. Yeah. So you know that once again, that's how does the NRA know that those boxes contain classified information and what is in those boxes? Yeah, and that's that's how me and Andrew are pretty much able to figure this out, guys. Because remember, in an affidavit, right, you have to outline all your evidence. Like when you, and when you outline your evidence, a lot of the time it's going to be done in a chronological sense. Okay. So on this day, this happened. Then on this day, this happened. Then on this day, this happened. And it makes sense. And it goes from, you know, uh, most uh, from oldest to most recent. And then as you continue on in the affidavit, it becomes more and more recent, but you always go from a to B to C to D to how you got your evidence. So, um, you know, I would say an educated guess between the two of us per, in our professional opinion is that more than likely these redactions have to do with the nature of the documents, what type of documents they were, classification of said documents, and um, how NARA knew about the documents, and then most importantly, how they knew that they were going to be transported to Mar-a-Lago. Because as you guys can see here next, what do we go into? We go into boxes containing documents were transported from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. These, these portions of the affidavit right here, more than likely could even potentially have a source at the NARA who gave the FBI this information in particular, because more than likely they would need an eyewitness, right? To be able to tell them, I saw document A, I saw document B, I saw document C, et cetera, et cetera. So they don't want these witnesses from NARA to be identified. Okay. And that was one of the reasons they, that was stated by the court for the only the partial unsealing of these documents Damn. was they did not want to mess with their witnesses. And they said, Hey, if we at this point unseal this, the witnesses are not going to have confidence to actually testify at the trial or at the indictment, right? They're going to not say, hey, we don't trust the government. And there's going to be a lot of angry people writing these, uh, writing these guys uh, if they figure out who they are. And I guarantee you, by the way, some of these people, some of these people that are their sources and uh, their informants probably identify or say the Republicans. I'll put it that way. Yep. And, and for some of you guys that are wondering, again, guys. NARA stands for um, the National Archive uh, Records Administration, right? Is that what it was? Yes, yes, National Records uh, Administration. Yeah, so they're, they're basically, guys, it's it's the people that like you know take take the records for the president, all right? Um, it's not the not to be confused with NRA. I know some of you guys are like, wait, what are we talking about NRA? It's not the NRA, guys. All right, it's not the NRA guns. No, yeah. this is not. Guns. It, it's actually it's actually the full name is National Archives and Records Association. There we go. My bad. So NARA, so National Archives and Records Administration. Yeah, guys, not to be confused with NRA and weapons. No, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Boxes, because I see some people in chat are getting confused. They might have tuned in a little bit later. We, we, we um, you know, defined all these acronyms earlier, guys, but that's what it stands for, okay? Okay, so boxes contain documents were transported from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. According to a CBS Miami article titled Moving Trucks Spotted at Mar-a-Lago, published Monday, January 18, 2021, and at least two moving trucks were observed at the premises on January 18, 2021. So uh, very interesting here. Of course, they're going to put this out there because it's public information, guys. They don't give a shit about uh, putting this out because it's already probably out there. Hell, it might be even on YouTube. Let me try to see if I can search it here. Um, Andrew, can you uh, – hold on, let me – Okay. Because yeah. so the point is, and, and one thing you got to notice too, as you go down the, through this document, there's actually um, on the next page, I believe, yeah, the next page, 
Um, okay. I just scrolled down one little page there. Uh, you can see, there you go. There's images. So uh, you're going to see a couple, when you see a large black box here, that's going to be an image. You're going to see a couple of these throughout the entire uh, thing. So clearly they had some sort of photo potentially of the document um, or of the document um, dot maybe of the documents being transported, right? Because this section particularly is about moving them from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. So they might have a fucking picture of the bo the actual boxes being moved there. Mm -hmm. um, so that might, that might be there. Also down, there's uh, when you scroll down, you can see there's more uh, photos as well on page uh, 16. So and here's the thing. I actually found the CBS News thing right in here. Here it is, guys. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because it looks like there's no picture anymore. <laughs> looks like there was something here before, but it's been moved. But Interesting. Here's, here's the actual article, guys, from which they pulled it, um, where they were able to go ahead and say, oh, yeah, moving trucks were spotted Monday at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach. At least two trucks with boxes of items were spotted by news helicopters being wheeled inside this state. So why did the FBI put this out in their affidavit and not redact this? Because it's public information, guys. Okay? So they went ahead and used this because that's not going to cause them issues. However, all this information more than likely came from the people in NARA and other sources, okay? So all this is redacted, and just like Andrew said perfectly, this is probably pictures that they also were able to gain uh, from sources, okay? So more redactions. But this is more than likely what this stuff is here, okay? Right. Provisions of the 15 boxes to NARA, bam, redacted. What do you think this is right here? This is probably NARA-specific information, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's specific to NARA, but once again, if it's – if it's how NARA stores documents, if there's the, their procedures, if it's their, you know, top, how they deal with top secret documents, how NARA deals with top secret documents, they're not going to talk about that. And that, that's something yep. they're going to want to, you know, keep under wraps. So they're going to keep that, um, keep that tight. So, okay. Quick little recap for the people that just joined. We're going through the search one affidavit. We went down what his affidavit is. We explained what top secret is, secret, uh, confidential. You know, we talked about, you know, no foreign, all the different types of classifications of classified documents. We went ahead and broke down what the first um, redaction here, what meant. Okay, as you can see here, this is Donald Trump's statement to NARA telling them, hey, I have, you know, we're good to go. I'm, I'm good. And then here, as you guys can see, this is NARA probably witnesses giving information as to what they saw in the in the boxes, the types of classification of the documents, uh, the, the nature of the documents, et cetera, which explains why this would portion right here would be redacted. So that's me and Andrew's uh, professional opinion as to why we think this portion is redacted. And then moving on, you see here that uh, they go into the box of containing documents transported from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. And then this whole portion is redacted as well. This probably has detailed information for people that may or may not have been involved in Trump's moving situation that saw the documents as well and or may have even handled the documents. We're talking about professional movers. We're talking about government officials that helped them. Hell, maybe a Secret Service agent or here or there may have also seen the boxes and yeah. provided this information. And here you can see this was clearly a picture. This picture right here, guaranteed, probably came from a source, guys, that if this picture was disclosed, they would immediately be able to tell, okay, this person just took this picture on this day at this time. We know who the fuck that is. Okay. Right. So right. they had to redact that. Um, and then here, here's more information that I guarantee you source information about the move to Mar-a-Lago. Right. And, and the next page, if you go to the next page, Myron, uh, okay. it gives you a little bit. Yeah, there you go. So you get a little bit of meat because uh, you didn't see right underneath the, um, the header provision of the boxes to NARA. You can yeah. see on that meat 39 right see there, the right in the middle. Right here. 
right right in the middle that this is this relates back to once again the charge because the charge is if you're interfering with an agency that deals with documents so they're saying that hey they made a request they made a request um, about these documents in december 2021 so this goes back to hey we're charging the president with taking documents he shouldn't have taken here's what the uh here's the timeline right and then back to confidential information but an interesting point about this is myron look mm-hmm. at the bottom where it says a little one uh, they actually redacted yeah. the footnote oh wow hold up <laughs> so that means whatever that is it's either like you said, a con- yeah it's Sorry, about it. please, please. Wildly speculative, right? But I, I mean, based on my professional opinion, it's either citing to a confidential source or some sort of procedure and policy that is top secret on how, the handling of top secret documents. So yeah. one or the other. Um, yeah, and and, and uh, just to double down on what you said because that was a fantastic point. That's a sharp eye that you noticed that footnote. Let me break this down for y'all real quick. Whenever you have an informant, a lot of the times in the footnote, the the agent or the AUSA, whoever writes the document, what they're going to do is they're going to say confidential source one or two or three or whatever it is is reliable reliable because such and such has been proven to be involved you know has provided information to other investigations or uh subject is a reliable informant because hell it could be a secret service agent and they have intimate knowledge of trump's uh you know dealings when it comes from moving from the white house to um to Mar-a-Lago, or it can be a NARA official who's a professional subject matter expert in the classification of documents, and they understand that these documents, if discovered, could have grave consequences on national security, blah, blah, blah. But this footnote, uh, which I'm really glad you mentioned this, Andrew, more than likely is uh, information on a source saying why that source is credible and why this is an affidavit in the first place, or B, um, methodologies and tactics when dealing with classified information. So this yeah. footnote is a very important thing right here this is it definitely has to do with either a source or some type of um procedure handling procedure, yeah yeah so great point there andrew i didn't even see that so fantastic um and then as you guys can see more redactions hold on let me pull, pull it up my bad um so we were here at the footnote guys right this is what andrew was referring to here this footnote um and now we're going into you know 40 41 42 uh here guys this makes me think that this is all informed information. The fact yep. that there was a footnote and then you go into all this information and then you got a picture, which is redacted. This picture was provided by an informant. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and I'm willing to bet once again, the reason why the FBI um, has these pictures, like you guys got to remember when you're trying to get a search warrant. Okay. You need to take pictures and put things in your affidavit that prove the evidence that you're looking for is there okay so what this tells me is that this source whoever it is took pictures of these boxes that has classified information in it and provided to the fbi obviously the fbi have to be able to show these pictures to show yo this is why we're so sure that this information is at his house these classified documents are at his house however disclosing these pictures is going to burn the source because the date and time of the picture is going to have to be disclosed and the location, you know, the coordinates, all that stuff. So quickly, if Trump's, you know, defense counsel is able to get this, they're going to be able to figure out who had access to the compound at this day on this time, etc. Hell, it might've even been a staff of the secret service guys. You don't know because you got or a staff of Mar-a-Lago. That's, that's the other Mar-a-Lago thing too, right? Well. Yeah. Um, 
Another thing, too, I want to mention is that, guys, you got to remember that um, Secret Service are still sworn law enforcement officials, okay? So if they see a crime being committed, they kind of have a duty to act, bro, you know? So if they see classified documents being handled carelessly, blah, 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 even though they work for the President of the United States, there's nothing stopping them from calling the Office of Inspector General, right, Department of Homeland Security, hey, I want to remain anonymous. This is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And then obviously the Office of Inspector General, uh, DHS has no venue there. Who are they going to call? They're going to call the Department of Justice, okay? And that's going to go over to the FBI, okay? It's not going to go to the Department of Justice OIG because these aren't Department of Justice uh, officials. These are uh, presidential officials, essentially. So it's going to go to to FBI because it falls under public corruption, okay? So that's how that goes. Um, so, yeah, this right here tells me, guys, this is source information right here. Pictures, um, paragraphs preceding it, the footnote earlier that that um, Andrew caught, mm -hmm. uh, sharp eye right there, by the way. Yeah, this is 100%, in my professional opinion, source information. Mm -hmm. um, and then the picture just puts the, the, you know, the explanation point on it. Okay, so now we're at a part where we're not redacted anymore. The 15 boxes provided to NARA contain classified information from May 16th, uh, to the 18th, 2022, FBI agents conducted a preliminary review of the 15 boxes provided to NARA and identified documents with classification markings in 14 of the 15 boxes. A preliminary triage of the documents with classification markings revealed the following approximate numbers. 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, and 25 documents marked as top secret. Further, the FBI agents observed markings reflecting the following compartment-sized uh, dissemination controls, HCS, FISA, ORCON, NOFORN, and SI, which, as you guys know, these are markings that typically go on top-secret documents to make them even more, how do I say this, for lack of a better term, exclusive, okay? And I say that with air quotes, <laughs> with less people can, can access them. Based on my training experience, I know that the documents classified at these levels typically contain national defense information. Several of these of the documents also contain what appears to be for, uh, foreign president of the United States handwritten notes. So Trump wrote on, on some of these documents, okay? Um, so it looks like here, the FBI was in Mar-a-Lago back in May. Okay. What what do you what's your uh, take on this? Uh, yeah, Andrew? I mean, I think this is something that's been going on for at least for probably a year now. This yeah. is something that's been going on for at least a year, and we know that we we we've known that that this has been something that's been going on for a while. I think Merrick Garland uh, confessed to that um, actually when he gave his uh, statement in terms of the the duration of this. So yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all that they were back there uh, looking doing a preliminary review um in uh in may right getting ready for this because they've got to line their queues up to p's and q's up if they're going 100%. over to if they're going over to actually raid a fucking president's home doing an unprecedented action something that's never been done before over documents yeah over documents never been done before absolutely um and real quick while you give us desantis needs to stay at point in florida he's a young guy plenty of time run let trump run it again so he can clap back if they don't manage to steal it again if they do steal it again the real question is what will we, the people, do? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think the Santos is going anywhere here in Florida. They love him here, bro. He has a high approval yeah. rating. He, he's, uh, he's way better off in Florida for the time being. Facts. 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 Um, and then 20 bucks from uh, Bo Rashid. And, guys, just so you know, I'm only reading 20 and up because we got a lot to cover on this affidavit. And uh, Andrew's got to go as well. He's got uh, things he's got to do. I'm, I'm moving to a new apartment here in Seoul. So, you know, it's going to yeah. be good times. 
Uh, love down bias breakdowns. My question: I have been heavily invested in Uvalde, Texas shooting case. Would you mind breaking it down? Yes, I will break down the Uvalde shooting case yeah, for you guys. I, I, I'll actually do that one with you because I've covered that one multiple times. If you want, my oh, let's do it. That's a great one. Uh, and the law enforcement fucked up on yeah, that. Yeah, let's one. definitely do that one. They fucked uh, up. Border Patrol came in and saved the day there. Uh, okay, so more. Um, so what do you think about this right here, um, Andrew? Uh, well, I think I think you try to so you try to look at what's at the front and what's at the bottom. So scroll down till the next text we get, right? Here we go. So the, in the second letter in the second in the second letter. letter. Okay, so hold on there. Hold on. Yep. There. So that's the first. So second letter. When you looked at that, when you went up to the first text, right, right, the first part of this section, right, because we're looking at sections. Yep. Right. You don't hear anything about a letter, do you? In that you first don't. section. Yeah. So what is that? What is that text talk about? There is your power of inference, people. It talks about the first letter. Clearly, yep. there's something in the first letter that is classified, right? There's something in there that they consider top secret that we cannot see on this um, on this affidavit. So yep. clearly, there's a first letter. Clearly, Trump knows about it, right? His counsel knows about it, but mm -hmm. we don't know about it. Yep. So now we're on the second letter. Okay. In the second letter, second such letter, which is attached as Exhibit One. The foreign president, uh, a foreign president's council asked DOJ to consider a few principles, which include uh, foreign president, United States council. One's claim that a president has absolute authority to declassify documents in this letter. Council requested, among other things, that DOJ provide this letter to any judicial officer who is asked to rule on any motion pertaining to this investigation or on any application made in connection with any investigative request concerning this investigation. So, I mean, is that the council challenging the FBI right there, Andrew? So, yeah, this, yeah, so this right here is the letter which we're talking about. We've talked about this, and we see this in the chat. You guys are talking about this in the chat. This is the defense that the president declassified the documents. Back in so, May, he made this. So, so they already knew this was a potential defense. They already known about this. This isn't a secret. This isn't something that they're trying to preempt, even in the search warrant, the defense that the documents are declassified. So the FBI already knows about that as a potential defense of Trump, and they're trying to preemptively show, hey, they're not declassified. Here's why. Right. Mm. So they go through that 52, 53. And then I guarantee you that the rest of this redaction explains why they're not declassified and how they're not declassified. That's Bam. explaining why they're still classified despite the president's um, council's position. Now, once again, this doesn't mean the FBI is right. They're just giving their position, their argument. Yep. Which is which is towards getting probable cause to search the house. Exactly. Once again. This is just probable cause, so the threshold is much lower for proof. That does not mean they have sufficient proof to get a conviction at trial. Bam. Um, so this is an interesting part here, paragraph 53. I'm aware of an article published in Breitbart on May 5th, 2022, available at, and they actually put the link here, which states that Cash Patel, who's described as a former top uh, foreign president of the United States, former president of the United States administration official, uh, characterizes misleading reports in other news organizations that NARA had found classified materials among records that the uh, former president provided to NARA from Mar-a-Lago. Patel alleged that such reports were misleading because uh, the former president had declassified the materials at issue. So as you guys can see, this is a legal thing going back and forth between um, the Bureau and uh, counsel for the president. Okay. Yep. And then here's some more documents. I guarantee right here, so this is a second such letter. This right here, guys, is probably the third letter. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. Well, there's another. If you keep going down. Uh-huh. 
uh, all the way down. There's a lot of redaction wow. here. The 61, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and bam, they don't even – now they just get right into DOJ counsel. Right. So this is, another, once again, another letter, right? So uh -huh. mind you, there's going to be many different letters between counsel, right? So between DOJ counsel and President Trump's F POTUS, right? So there's going to be many different letters. So now they're giving a little bit more of the meat of the letters, meat of the discussion. So it goes on June 8, 2022, DOJ counsel sent for uh, former president counsel a letter which reiterated that the premises are not authorized to store classified information and requested the re preservation of the storage room and boxes that had been moved to the White House to the premises. Specifically, the letter stated in relevant part. As I previously indicated to you, Mar-a-Lago does not include a secure location authorized for the storage of classified information. As such, it appears that since the time classified documents Okay, these are probably the documents that are in question, guys. That they're that they're that the FBI is the most concerned with. Okay, which is why they paid a visit to Mar-a-Lago in the first place. We're removed from the secure facilities at the White House and moved to the Mar-a-Lago on or around January 20th, 2021. They have not been handled in an appropriate manner or stored in an appropriate location. Accordingly, we ask that the room at Mar-a-Lago where the documents had been stored be secured and that all the boxes that were moved from the White House to Mar-a-Lago, along with any other items in that room, be preserved in that room in their current condition until further notice so this to me seems guys fbi instruction to them yes which which goes towards the charge of obstruction right uh -huh. so they you know if you're not told right if you're not told hey you're doing something wrong you know there's it's harder to argue that you're obstructing because you don't know that you're doing anything wrong but this is going to prove the element or the charge rather because there's three charges that they actually obstructed um nara from properly storing these documents now mind you mind you that nara is what defines nara is what defines what is appropriate not appropriate yeah. right that's not saying that practically mar-a-lago might be just as secure as the white house but if nara doesn't give it its blessing the federal agency doesn't give it its blessing it's not a appropriate location yep and also, this more than likely, guys, this letter, it didn't come from the FBI. It probably came from Department of Justice counsel, whether um, it was, you know, DOJ attorneys, um, FBI attorneys. A lot of these federal agencies, guys like the FBI, whatever, they're going to have attorneys in-house to write documents like this, you know, to, to deal with, you know, other counsel. Okay. And then here we go, guys. Here's a footnote. Okay. And this is footnote number two. And as you guys can see here, what since they didn't redact it, it's simple stuff. They're talking about 18 U.S.C. 793, right? Uh, handling classified documents, all right? And in this case, they're referring to case law. They're explaining um, what, you know, what the statute is, et cetera. So in this case, this is a footnote that isn't going to be redacted because this is like, you know, nothing here is sensitive. Open right? case information, right? Nothing Open that stuff. nothing in that is private. You can find all of that publicly in case law. Hell yeah. So on January 9, 2022, for, uh, the president's counsel sent an email to DOJ counsel st stating, I'll right to acknowledge receipt of this letter. Okay, so again, this goes back to what Andrew was saying. How are they going to prove obstruction of justice? Hey, you guys were in the know of what the hell's going on, and you guys purposely, at least with this is what the government's alleging, obstructed justice. You guys obstructed the proper handling of these documents. All right? So they're going ahead and they're uh, redacting uh, some more information here. Yeah, I'll... Good about. <laughs> so, Good what do you speculate this information is about, uh, Andrew? I, mean, I, I believe this particular chunk, and let me go back here, is relating to uh, what might was be privileged. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Privileged information from yeah, the? I would think it's. I think it's privileged information, or um, a you know a different, like you said, a different correspondence. So, yeah, it's some attorney client. 
Yeah. Can you explain, break that, break that down for the people? Yeah. So obviously guys, you have attorney client privilege. So I am an attorney, right? If I have a client and I send them something and it is attorney client privilege, right? It's not subject to any exceptions, not public information. I'm not putting it out there. It's just between me and my client. So in this case, the president's counsel and Trump. So what the president's counsel says to Trump is attorney client privilege. That is one of the strongest privileges out there. It's almost impossible to break that absent like you got them dead to rights that the attorney is committing a crime, but that's probably not going to be number one provable, number one, you know, or number two, the case. So attorney client privilege is definitely going to be information that's not going to be uh, thrown out there to the public. It Question also could be it also could be that part of that attorney client privilege compromise uh, information, right? So that letter also includes information that the FBI considers top secret or classified. So mm. it could be that that communication contains classified information. It could also include sources and methods in terms of what they know about record storage and top secret um, uh, record retention policies. Oh, that's a good point. Dude, they probably have to send these emails through Skiff. Yes. So, so that right there will make well, it. Explain, explain that. Can you explain Skiff for Skiff Yeah. So, guys, Skiff is basically um, it's a room where you go and you can go ahead and deal with with um, sensitive information. You know, that's at the confidential, secret, top secret level. Um, to get into a Skiff room, you can't bring your phone in there. It's controlled environment, um, and you can go ahead and do you know phone calls that are secure send emails that are secure, et cetera. I'm willing to bet more than likely based on the nature of the documents and the communication that was going between the two councils, the, infra- the, the, the emails had to be sent through probably a skiff room, right? Contro- uh, like it had to be done on emails that are, you know, handle certain classifications. So that in itself, even if what they're talking about is some bullshit, still is going to be more than likely redacted because of the medium in which the messages were sent. Okay. Remember guys, I told you guys this before me and Andrew were very clear about this. A lot of the times things don't deserve to be classified at a certain level. They're merely classified because of how they were procured, how they were sent, the meat, uh, how they're dealt with in the, uh, in the first place, all these things go into um, whether something is classified or not. And I know more than likely the communication done between these lawyers, 100% is done through email. They're going to talk about nothing over the phone. Everything's going to be documented via email. And since everything is being documented on email, it's going to be done on a secure email that allows you to process secret, top secret or confidential information um, in this case. So, uh, and then also we, t- we brought up the attorney client privilege question for you, Andrew, do you think attorney yeah. client privilege, can they mention a, a, uh, privileged stuff like this on affidavit i've never seen it before no no they cannot no they cannot they cannot bring up if it was privileged they can't drop that in affidavit okay no. okay so if anything it's just it's just correspondence between the two attorneys they probably they probably wouldn't mention it though if it was between attorney and client um and first of all how would they get that information unless trump voluntarily turned that over to them right um yeah. unless his counsel turned over that communication but it, further than that i think that there's information related to those top secret documents um, in this block. And as we keep going, I think we see more redacted information on that top secret information on that, on those allegedly top secret documents. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So there you guys like the video because right now me and Andrew are putting on a clinic for y'all as far as us going ahead and, you know, not only decoding this affidavit for you guys, we're literally telling you guys more than likely what is behind the redactions. Nobody else is going to be able to break this stuff for you guys, man. <laughs> Give you guys. And I'm pretty confident that what we're, um, because when this affidavit comes out, you best believe we're going to go ahead and go through it again and watch this be 
pretty damn accurate as to what more than likely is behind these redactions that you guys are missing out on. Yep. Okay. So like the video, subscribe to me, Legal Mindset. Okay. There's probable cause to believe that documents containing classified NDI and presidential records remain the, at the premises. Okay. So this section yep. is going to be how they know they are specifically at Mar-a-Lago. So this is going to be a lot of CI information and how they know they are specifically at the premises and where they are specifically at the premises. We're talking specific rooms at the premises. And the only way to get that information is that they have somebody on the inside who know who saw exactly where they were stored, exactly where they were placed. They could. I, I think this section cannot be had except for a CI or like Myron said, if one of the secret service, you know, turned around and got on the horn and uh, called uh, Washington DC. Yep. Absolutely, man. Um, and as you guys can see, redacted to hell, this is more than likely all <laughs> confidential informant information yeah. that would compromise the investigation. If even a sentence was revealed because it's deeply intimate information. Go ahead. Sorry. And we confirm this by getting down to 77. And yep, what does this talk about in 77? Based on this Damn. information, I believe the storage room, F. POTUS's residential suite, Pine Hall, the 45 office, and other spaces are not authorized uh, locations. So hold on. That's the first time we've heard those names, right? Yep. We've heard storage, storage room, Pine Hall. We never heard that before, 45. So where were those referenced? Those were all referenced. All those rooms here, guys. were referenced in the redaction. Exactly. And how would they know? They're in a specific room called the fucking Pine Hall. How do they know about the Pine Hall? Somebody told them about the Pine Hall. That's the only way they can know about that. Yep. Um, so it goes here. Yep. The Pine Hall. So based upon this investigation, I believe that the storage room for uh, former president's uh, residential suite, Pine Hall, the 45 office and other spaces within the premises are not currently authorized locations for the storage of classified information or NDI. Similarly, based upon this investigation, I do not believe that any spaces within the premises have been authorized for the storage of classified information, at least since the end of a former president's presidential administration on January, 2021. So guys, without even having to go into it, we already know for a fact, these areas right here, our professional opinion, these define what the storage room, the residential suite, Pine Hall, the 45 office and other spaces on the premises are. And then on top of that, it probably identifies each source and how they know uh, how they know the information is there located at these areas. And then on top of that, another reason why this area, this area is probably redacted is because it probably gives intimate details as to the structure and layout of the residence, guys. And obviously, for national security reasons, you don't want public the public knowing how the Mar-a-Lago floor plan. Okay, that would also be uh, compromised to, to security, right? Because right. at the end of the day, it's still a former president of the United States, right? Um, as described above, evidence of the subject offenses have been stored in multiple locations at the premises. And then, bam, more redactions. Okay. Uh, what would you say this is right here, man? I would say I, that's got to be more information specifically as to either the location, right? The locations of the of the, uh, of the the documents, which, like you said, could go towards the floor plan of Mar-a-Lago or where, you know, where the president is at any given uh, – the former president is at any uh, given position uh, – a given time. I think um, I know what it, this part is. Go ahead. This part right here is more than likely a like what I would call like a um we call it like like it freshens up the affidavit. So typically before you do a house a, a, a search warrant for a house or whatever it is, you talk to your source the night before you get that thing sworn out or the day before uh, or or hell even day of depending on how how close the source is to the information. Hey, 
is the you know is the stuff still at that location that we discussed? Yes, it is. Blah blah blah. And then bam, you put that in your affidavit. And the reason why that's important is because what it does is it gives you, um, it, it extends the clock. It shows that um, <clears throat> that the information that you're giving is fresh and it's recent and. Uh, it's more than likely going to be found there because the thing is, guys, with search warrants, especially for a home, you're against the clock. You need to be able to make sure that your affidavit stays fresh with recent intel and recent information so that the likelihood of finding said evidence that you're alleging in your affidavit is there, okay? So more than likely, uh, in my professional opinion, I think that this part right here, more than likely, is well, a re-up from the source to show that the information is still there. And what can confirm that, Myron, is that you, you you see, okay, you see the block, but then you see what it says right after, accordingly, right? Yep. So that's referencing everything that was above that's redacted, right? This affidavit seeks authorization to search the 45 office. So literally because they named that room, that mm -hmm. refreshing probably says, hey, we had somebody see this shit was in the 45 office like like now, right? Yep. Like very recently. An affidavit uh, like this, you there. need that. You need yeah. that in an affidavit like this. You're about to search the fucking former president's house. You need to be cross your T's and dot your I's. And again, guys, again, even me as a Trump supporter, I'm telling y'all, this search warrant was well written. They have more than enough evidence. I could already tell just from the ridiculous, uh, you know, <laughs> how they're putting in a bunch of statutes. They're using sources. They're taking pictures. They probably had geolocation in here. They had layout structures. This is why this affidavit is redacted, guys. Okay. They have more than how many sources do you think they have on this thing, Andrew, in your opinion? I, I, I mean, it's got to be a lot. It's got to be at least it's got to be at least because there's different components to this, right? There's the NARA section. There's the White mm -hmm. House. There's people at Mar-a-Lago. I think a dozen would not be would not be overestimating. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's fine. I was going to uh, say bare least, minimum, like six. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, six, six is fair. Right. Yeah. I think, I think six, 12. I think those are very reasonable estimates. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they have sources giving the same goddamn information and they just use that. Like sources three, four, and seven also confirm documents are at this location. Right. Like, right. Yeah, dude. Like you almost have to have two sources for each piece of information. And look at that thing, though. It, it look, if you keep reading here accordingly, you know, you yep. read that block there, Myron, it uh -huh. even talks about the premises being closed. So they talk about, oh, yeah, you know, this is the perfect time to go in because it's closed oh. for the summer, right? It's closed for the summer. And uh, we're not going to mess with the rentals, which is kind of funny. They try to act like a massive federal search is not going to impact a business negatively. <laughs> like the fucking audacity, the audacity of these hoes to even like put that in there. It's like, come on, man. Like, you know, you know that like if your wedding is going on and the fucking FBI knock at the door, you know, next door, it's not going to be a good look for your wedding. Facts. You just next thing you know, hey, we're getting married then. <laughs> that's gonna be that's a wrap for you my friend yep. um, you gonna be at court for 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 your divorce and for jail the next day <laughs> well, that, well, that's why that's why you tell people not to get married right absolutely so. man uh, no, that's that's some solid stuff right here so okay so conclusion all right so now we're coming to the end of the affidavit guys based on the foregoing facts and circumstances i submit that probable cause exists to believe that evidence contraband fruits of a crime or other items illegally uh, possessed in violation of 18 U.S.C. 793, 2071, or 1519. Again, guys, in English, that means, um, you know, possession of national defense information, not, you know, storing them properly, et cetera, uh, mutilization, uh, mutilation of records and, you know, destroying records, whatever it is, slash obstruction, 
and then oh no sorry and then 1519 which i think is obstruction or did i mess confuse those but those are the basic laws that they're 1519 going on. is with obstruction yeah okay um further i submit that this affidavit supports probable cause for a warrant to search the premises described in attachment a and to seize items attached and uh, described in attachment b again guys attachment a is a picture of the residence what it is and then attachment b is what they think they're going to get which based on this affidavit they know exactly what the fuck they're looking for which is why they were able to find 50 boxes and 15 boxes and on top of that guys remember they were searching areas that were unorthodox for a reason they had source information guys okay Source information that Melania's panty drawer was uh, the the number one number one exactly. place to store top secret information. <laughs> they probably just did that one as f you. Uh, <laughs> sealing. It is respect. And now you guys are probably wondering what the hell is this request for sealing? The request for sealing, guys, is because they know damn well when they execute this search warrant, everyone and their mom is going to try to get this thing open. I showed it to y'all earlier. Um, so so they wanted to buy themselves as much time as possible because they knew this day would come where they'd have to release this affidavit and more than likely redact. Yep. So they wanted to go ahead and get ahead of it. It is respectfully requested that this court issue an order sealing until further uh, order of the court. All papers submitted in support of this application, including the application and search warrant. I believe that sealing this document is necessary because the items and information we seized are relevant to an ongoing investigation and the FBI not yet identified all potential crime confederates, nor located all evidence related to this investigation. Premature disclosure of the contents of this affidavit and related documents may have a significant and negative impact on the continuing investigation and may severely jeopardize its effectiveness by allowing criminal parties an opportunity to flee, destroy evidence, uh, sort of electronically and otherwise, change patterns of behavior, and notify criminal confederates. Okay. Does that sound like standard language to you, Myron? Sounds very standard language. Like, for uh, yeah, fairly standard. Like, yeah. Uh, I haven't used it. I haven't heard someone say the term confederates for a very long time. But I was like, what are we going back to 1860? Yeah. Like, what are we doing right now? You know, we're using confederates. Shit, this, bro. This like, USA is on some shit. Yeah. Uh, whoever wrote this. Uh, search procedures for handling potential attorney-client privilege information. Oh, bro. You know what? There we go. Man, bro. Get over here. Are we not on fucking point about this shit? Bro, you know what? This affidavit probably ha did have a little bit of... It had to, yeah. It had to have some A little bit. Why would they yeah. be putting this shit here? Yeah. I've never seen this put in an affidavit before. Because See, that's... You've, how, many, how many affidavits have you written, Myron? Hundreds, man. And, and, and you've and, never seen this. No. No. And, and this I've is, never seen this before either. This is some new shit. And, and you know what, dude? That tells me right there and then that they um that that more than likely in the correspondence between the 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 council and everything else like that, maybe there was a slip up where someone sent attorney client privilege stuff on accident or whatever it may be. So they're already putting this ahead of time, saying, yo. We might come into attorney-client privilege material, et cetera. And, guys, the reason why they're putting this here is because attorney-client privilege stuff, guys, is protected to, like, the highest level. Yep. A criminal could literally tell his attorney, yeah, I fucking killed her, and you can't use it. Right. You can't use it. You literally right. can't use it, guys. That's, that's how important attorney-client privilege stuff is. And the fact that they have – so check this out. I've seen this before, too. You have a taint team, okay? So I'll break this down for y'all as well if they're doing what I think they will. These procedures will be... So the following procedures will be followed at the time of the search in order to protect against disclosures of attorney-client privilege material. <clears throat> These procedures will be executed by A, law enforcement personnel conducting the investigation, the case team, and B, law enforcement per per uh, personnel not persisting in the investigation of the matter who will search the 45 office and be available to assist in the event that a procedure involving potentially attorney-client privilege is required, the privilege review team. Okay, uh, and be available to assist in the event. Okay, okay. So I know 
I know what they're doing here. The case team were responsible for searching the target premises. However, the privilege review team will be searched, will search the 45 offices and conduct a review of the seized materials from the 45 offices to identify and segregate documents or data containing potentially attorney private uh, uh, attorney client privilege information. If the privilege review team determines the documents or data are not potentially cl- attorney client privilege, they'll be provided to the law enforcement personnel assigned to the investigation. If at any point of the law enforcement uh, if at any point the law enforcement personnel assigned to the investigation subsequently identify any data or documents that are they consider maybe potentially attorney-client privilege, they will cease the review of such identified data or documents and refer the materials to the privilege review team for further review by the privilege review team. If the privilege review team determines that documents are potentially attorney-client privilege or merit further consideration in that regard, a privilege review team attorney may do any of the following. Uh Apply ex parte to the court for determination whether or not the, the documents contain attorney-client privilege material. Okay, so I'll have you break that down here in a second for us, Andrew. Yeah. The first seeking court intervention and continue to keep the documents inaccessible to law enforcement personnel assigned to the investigation. Or C, disclose the documents to the potential privilege holder. Request the privilege holder to state whether the potential privilege holder asserts attorney-client privilege as to any documents, including requesting a particularized privilege log and seek a ruling from the court regarding any attorney-client privilege claims as to which the privilege review team and the private privilege holder cannot reach an agreement, okay? So let me break this down in English for you guys, and then um, and then Andrew will go ahead and take uh, part 84 of this, okay? So uh, th- this is important stuff. Yeah. So when you're dealing with classified information, attorney-client privilege information, et cetera, these things cannot be used in court, guys, okay? So since they can't be used in court, you need to go ahead and be able to get a taint team and get a case agent team. So what they're saying when they're saying this right here, guys, is they got a case team, okay? This case team, I bet you, are the case agents out of the Washington field office, the guys that are actually assigned to this investigation. They're doing the search for the hard evidence that they can use in the investigation against Donald Trump uh, and the charges being outlined here, okay? However, now, the other team, okay, more than likely are agents from the Miami field office, okay, that are here locally, that are helping out. Those guys, what they're doing is they're looking in the areas that they're sure more than likely are going to have attorney-client privilege information. And what they're doing is they're going through it, and they're seeing what is an attorney-client privilege and then turning it over to the law enforcement team so the law enforcement team can actually take as evidence. Now, why are they doing this? They're doing this because they don't want the case agents on the investigation to be tainted, guys. They don't want them to see attorney-client privilege information that they shouldn't be seeing that's going to taint their ability to be credible and reliable witnesses in the investigation. So they basically have a bunch of agents that are there as fodder to find this attorney-client privilege information, get it, look at it. Okay, is this relevant? Is this attorney-client privilege? It's attorney-client privilege. Okay, I'm not involved in this investigation. I'm just searching, so I'm not going to give it to the case team. Because this is a they give it away. There's a legal there's a legal concept called like fruit of the poisonous tree. Yes. So that's what this is trying to stop, right? So it's trying to stop. For example, if you let's say Myron was an agent back when Myron was an agent, he strapped on the vest again. He's going in, and Myron finds something privileged, and based on the information in that privileged information, he goes and finds something else, right? And then from that, he finds something else, which convicts the guy of the crime. Well, because the root of that, right, what's it called? The fruit, right? Because the root comes from privileged information. He shouldn't have touched it in the first place. He should just completely let it go. It's between attorney and client, right? So it doesn't matter that he ultimately solved the crime. All that matters is that he shouldn't have looked at that privileged information in the first place. He should not have used that for investigative purposes, period, right? Any communication. So we're talking... 
here verbal. We're talking here videotapes, recordings, emails, text messages. That's all. All of it can potentially be attorney-client privilege, and the law enforcement can use absolutely zero of that in their investigation. Zero. It could have been. It could have been. I'm selling secrets to the Russians, and he said that to his attorney. Protected. Can't be used right. against them. Right. Okay. So. That's why they have two different teams, guys. So they have the case team, who are the case agents out of the Washington field office, and then the B team, who more than likely are local agents out of the West Palm Beach office that are just helping out, and they're going ahead and making sure that the case team doesn't see any of this attorney-client privilege because that will taint them and that will fuck them up and they won't be able to be involved in the active investigation, okay? This also applies, guys, to classified investigations. I remember when I had a case, right, that involved national security. I was the case agent, so that meant I didn't want to see classified information that could uh that can't be used okay because sometimes knowing certain things will fuck you up in court right and yep. it'll, or it'll fuck you up in an investigation so i had an agent that had uh that had access to um he was a part of the JTTF joint terrorism task force so he would go ahead and look at the classified stuff for me and if there was stuff that was classified right it would we would parallel reconstruct that okay and there's that's a whole other game i'm not going to get into details about that but as a case agent, a lot of the times you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be exposed to classified information, attorney client privilege information, etc., because it's going to fuck with your ability to be a reliable witness. Because now if they put you on the stand and they ask you questions. Well, agent such and such, did you see this attorney client privilege and did it, uh, you know, make you or did it hurt your ability to be impartial in this investigation? Or do you use any of that information? Just like what Andrew said. It's it's a slippery slope that can lead to you using fruits of a poisonous tree, which can fuck up the entire investigation, because if you get one piece of bad evidence, it ruins everything after that. So you're better off just not tainting the agents that are involved in the actual investigation. Put a taint team in place or you put an agent that uh, um, that handles the classified stuff kind of as a buffer, as a wall. He could go ahead and handle that stuff. You go ahead and you stay on the light side. You do your regular investigation. That's how you want to do it. So um, that's the importance of having that. And it's interesting that they employed this tactic searching Trump's house. That tells me right there that they were on their P's and Q's and they knew what the hell they were doing. Um, And then here I find these very interesting. Uh, They talked about uh, the privilege review team determines the documents uh, or data are not potentially attorney-client privilege. Then they'll go ahead and give it. But the interesting thing is here on 84, Andrew, where they say, yes, you want to you want to kind of explain this to the people. So yeah, if they're potentially so it says if they're potentially client privilege or merit further consideration, they can yeah, they me, can they don't necessarily do it, but they can apply for an ex parte meaning without the other party. Ex parte means from one party. So i.e. the FBI, i.e. Trump is not going to be in court when they're deciding whether or not these things are attorney-client privilege. Now, honestly, this is one of the biggest things that people hate about law enforcement is that a lot of these things get go on without the other party. I would argue that in these cases where they're doing something like this, they should allow the other party there to argue because it's not allowing a full and fair, I think, consideration of whether these things are attorney-client privilege. But that being said, this is the FBI's process. So they go to the court and the judge determines whether or not the documents are attorney-client privilege. Um, they may also seek court intervention and continue to keep the documents inaccessible from law enforcement personnel or disclose them. So disclose it to the potential privilege holder. So to the attorney for Trump and request that the privilege holder state whether they assert attorney-client privilege to the documents or not. Um Now, if you thought about A, B, or C, obviously of those three options, A is probably the one they would prefer to do. They would probably prefer to go to the court without Trump, right, and get a termination if they think they can do that. 
um, they can also uh, hold the documents off, but they want to use the documents. So I think they'd probably prefer to do A out of those yep. three methods. Uh, you know, and that's the worst case if they come across it. But more than likely, they yeah. had an attorney there. If you guys noticed, they said they uh, they had a, a privilege uh, team attorney, re privilege review team attorney. So what they want to do, guys, is they want to have the privilege team go through everything. And then the case agents stay away from anything that could be privileged because they don't want to taint them. And yeah. I know for a fact this case team right here, these are the agents out of Washington, D.C. that are actually handling the investigation. It was probably a whole squad, probably five to 10 agents that were involved. You got the case agent along with his, you know, nine squad mates, 10 squad mates, whatever it may be. Um, or hell, maybe they even brought two squads down from Washington, D.C. And then you have the West Palm agents that are, you know, the local agents that are just helping out. They're the privilege review team and they have a lawyer on, on the team as well to make sure that and this you know, they got everybody. I think what, what was the count? I think we read there's at least there's over a, I think it was three dozen agents and more, or a little bit more than that. Um, yeah. that actually raided the uh, that actually raided Trump's house. It was a lot of people. There was a lot of law enforcement personnel on scene yeah. that day. So I, so would, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah, Washington D.C. probably brought down at least bare minimum ten to fifteen agents. They probably brought an entire squad and then some. And then the West Palm Beach agents uh, went ahead and did the uh, you know the perimeter. They they, they did all the bullshit stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Anytime like you know visiting agents come in, you're basically on bitch duty helping them do what they want to do. Yep. You know, so they probably did the privilege review stuff. They're the ones looking at all the boring ass documents that are attorney client privilege. The Washington agents are the ones that are having fun getting actually all the real evidence, seizing of the stuff and everything else. Right. Um, so cool. So, yeah, as you guys can see, and then that ends the affidavit respectfully submitted special agent federal bureau of investigation. Of course, their name and their signature is is um, redacted. And then this was went ahead and sworn in front of Bruce E. Reinhardt, United States magistrate judge. And that is the affidavits, my friends. And then obviously they're going to blur out uh some of these exhibits here. Um, <clears throat> this is, um, let's see here. This is the POTUS, the POTUS letter, which we've oh, seen, yes. we've read. It involves, uh, it involves that the the assertion by Evan Cochran uh, that these documents are indeed not privileged. That these are okay. documents that are not uh, that are not um, confidential. Mm -hmm. uh, and then President has yep. This is the guy. Yep. Uh, this is the attorney for. I think it looks like. Uh, Trump. And remember, this is one of the documents that's, that was referenced during the body, right? So these are exhibits. This is not, this is just, this is not the argument. This is the backup, the proof, right? So yep. This was referenced in one of the documents between counsel for F POTUS, they said, and uh, DOJ. Okay. Uh, National Security Division. Oh, okay. This is a DOJ attorney here, it looks like. Yeah, right? they're writing to yeah. the DOJ attorney, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. Um. And then let's see here. And then you got here. This is attachment A, which we told you guys the property to be searched. And then attachment B, this is what they plan to take from the place, right? These are the statutes that they're using. And then this is what they plan right. to take. Right. But read, read, I mean, look at that. All physical documents and records, yeah. right? So, I mean, they were coming in there with a very, 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 very wide net. Yeah. They were not coming in there for like one specific thing, like the box marked E2. No. no. They literally get permission to take any and everything that could relate yeah. to the president and, and his time in office. And you know why? It's because the affidavit was, was thorough. The more yeah, look at that, look, look at C, look at C right, look at C right there. Any governmental records created between January 20, 2017 and January 20, 2021. Boom. Yep. Yeah, man. Huge, huge. Yep. Amount. And they can only do that guys. Just so you understand the only way a magistrate is going to sign off on, on a want this broad is the affidavit has got to be tight, guys. It's got to be good. It's got to have a bunch of information. They they had a bunch of source information, a bunch of info with pictures, etc. That's the only reason why the judge signed off on this, man. So, yeah. 
that's the truth. You got to give it to the FBI. They wrote a very good affidavit, a very strong affidavit, how they were. That's and that's how they were able to do it. And this was was the ex parte thing that I showed you guys before of them, you know, getting a seal, uh, unsealed, etc. Um, so, uh, yeah, guys, that right there, like the video. I'm looking right now. There's 1,000 plus you guys watching, and we only got 942 likes. Get us to 1,000 plus. Come likes. on, guys, let's do 1,000. Because nobody's gonna get y'all this kind of sauce on YouTube as far as this stuff goes. So. Andrew, what are your final thoughts on this bad boy, man? What man, you, I, like, I man? think I think this is interesting. It's interesting what we see and what we don't see. If this information is ever unsealed, what you're going to see is you're going to see what Myron and I said in our professional opinion. I guarantee 100% that what we said is within that, with the types of information, right? All the types of information are within that. And the only place you're going to see this, the only time you're going to get this content is from Myron, who's the only guy breaking this down line by line, the only guy with this experience who's done this level of work in the federal government um, and from an, a lawyer, right, at the same time on the same stream. But, guys, this was an affidavit that had what it needed to get probable cause. Does yeah. that mean any of it is actually true? No. Just got to remember that just because something is asserted in a affidavit to search does not mean that actually proves jack shit. So it had Good enough point. to get where they needed to get. Now we're going to go to the next stage. Was it enough for probable cause? Yeah, but that's because probable cause is not a hugely, it's not a massive bar. It's a relatively low bar. Yeah. And, and guys, remember probable cause. It's not like trial hearsay is 100% admissible. Okay. Yep. They can go ahead and get information from other people, use that information Right, corroborate it a little bit, and then bam, now they got the probable cause. They go ahead and search it. So, if they have two sources saying the same thing, that's good enough. Okay, so, um, yeah, guys, I mean, again, uh, the fact that they were able to search a former president of the United States home, uh, you guys saw it. A bunch of that affidavit was redacted. Um, I think me and Andrew did a bang up job as far as like letting you guys know more than likely what was behind those redactions. I mean, from reading what started it and then what ended it, and then us knowing how affidavits are typically written from a chronological standpoint, how everything has to fit in sequence so it makes sense. So, um, we're you the know, only people out there who are not going to lie to you, not going to come and say whatever you want to say. You know, I see that people in the chat, I mean, people going, Oh, lock them up. He belongs in Guantanamo Bay, put Trump in Gitmo, put Trump in Guam, and all this other shit. You know, versus, hey, he didn't, you know, there's no proof here. There's nothing. Well, no, we we, we, we debunk both sides of that, right? You know, does this prove that he does not belongs to be in Gitmo? No, first of all, no, you know, he's an American citizen. But yeah. second of all, second <laughs> of all, on the other hand, probable cause is a low bar. So was there enough for probable cause? Yeah, but because that's low and the statutes are fucking broad. So did they give enough to satisfy these broad statutes? It's likely they did. It's very likely they did within that affidavit, and we saw that today. Bam. Um, and then uh, quick chats. Uh, Simonis goes, Myron, do a Fed episode on what the Constitution states in regards to tyranny and why we, the people, are too soft to execute. Okay. Uh, geolocation, exactly what uh, used to 2,000 mules to prove the fraud on November 2020, but it's good enough for this warrant. Man, get the strap. Hey, man, it, it is what it is, my friends. Uh, and then I think um, – let me see here if I missed anything else. Yeah, because I was reading 20 and up. Guys, um, Andrew, where can the people find you, bro? Guys, legal mindset, YouTube legal mindset. Um, it helped me get back to 80K. It's funny because I've been bouncing. There's some uh, woke ass motherfuckers out there who cannot uh, handle, who cannot handle the facts over the feelings. So it's always good to get back up there. So help me get there. That'll be great, guys. And uh, legalmindset.locals.com is my private community. You have access to my Discord there uh, and the legal mindset on Twitter, where I'm pretty active. Uh, posting everything I'm covering, including this Trump 
stuff. And we're obviously going to be following this and a lot of the other largest legal news on my channel, Legal Mindset. That's what I do every day, Monday through Friday. I'm pumping out legal news and legal commentary. I put it in the chat, guys. It's Legal Mindset, man. Go check him out. All his links are below at the top of the description. I put everything there, his locals, his Instagram, his YouTube, everything, man. Go check him out, guys. Um, I'll have him down for other breakdowns like this. Uh, Andrew, sure. anytime you need me for your channel, man, let me know as well. Uh, we could do 100%. the uh, breakdown as well, school shooting. I, uh, I've i been getting Yeah, let's do Uvalde. Let's do it. We can do it on your channel too because I want to get your point, uh, opinion about like Border Patrol Absolutely. and being down there because you're around there Absolutely. and there's a lot of like human smuggling stuff that comes yes. in with that. Which is I, really I've interesting. Been to Uvalde quite a few times. Um, very familiar with Uvalde. It was only about two hours from from uh, from Laredo. Um, yeah. They, have, they have a gang problem over there with Latin Kings. Well, that, that was one of the reasons, and we'll get into it, but a little teaser is one of the reasons they say this shit wasn't taken seriously is because they had so many human smugglers and traffickers running, just essentially uh, bailing out. Right, yeah. so they're just like running from law enforcement. They very fucking common. run their car off. They ditch, and they run, and they're armed. Right? Yep. So they have to lock down. So they weren't taking these lockdowns seriously because they had like 50 lockdowns that were like nothing in the last couple months. Right. Very, very Which, common on the border, you know, where, where, you know, Border Patrol gets into chases and, you know, the migrants get out and then they start running on foot or whatever. So one, one um, of the points is one of the points is they make in the actual affidavit is that they've been more common recently. Mm. Uh, which you can you can take which way you want to take. Right. Yeah, there you go. Um, so. Guys, go. he is Andrew. Check him out on Legal Mindset, man. All his links are below. Please subscribe to him. Like this goddamn video. Get me to over 1K. Um, we love y'all. Hope you guys enjoyed that. No one on the internet is going to read that affidavit line by line and actually break. Not only read the uh, line by line, give you guys accurate professional opinions as to more than likely what's behind those redactions from that FBI affidavit, man. I'll catch you guys um, on Tuesday more than likely for a, uh, um, uh, a documentary breakdown. Again, check out Andrew. He's my guy. Legal Mindset. Links are below. Love you guys. I'll catch you guys in a few days. Peace. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what FedEx covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation. You can't reach him in his jacket. You don't know... And he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of two detained murder. Racketeering and Rico conspiracy. Young, young slime life. Here and after referred to as YSL. The defendants uh, six nine, and then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, six nine ran. I'm a fed. I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit.